everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 47 of the Matt and Matt O'Skill Trains podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rochford, and with me as always uh, are my co-hosts. Uh, Johnny, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Matt Z uh, will be joining us in a little while. He is not able to join you at this time. Uh, but uh, I promise you, Matt Z is not fired again. <laughs> he will be back. So uh, we were disappointed with his last performance. So he's uh, we give him a penalty. He's got to come exactly, in late now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube and Amazon Music. And there are a slew of other new ones as well. Uh, choose your uh, social media podcast app and we're most likely on it. So. Um, I also want to mention, of course, our Discord server. We're over, I, last time I checked, I think we're over 170 members on our Discord. So uh, it is a great place to talk about trains. Uh, it's a fantastic community. We've got a good mod team. All you have to do is uh, click the link in the show notes. You're asked if you're a good person. You click yes, and you're in talking with folks. Uh, we've also updated our URL, so it is much easier to find us. You can find us on the web at mandmpodcast.com. That's the letter M, A-N-D, the letter M, podcast.com. And lastly, of course, let's talk about our Matt and Matt merchandise. Uh, we've teamed up with redbubble.com, so they are handling all of our merchandise. We've had several people buy things already. I think there's been a shirt. There's been a hat. I think someone bought a sticker. Um, I will put that link in the show notes as well for everyone. So please, uh, if, if you did or you're interested in something like that, please go ahead and head to that site and, um, you know, pick whatever you pick, whatever you like. So there's no cars yet or any kind of big things out there with our logo on it. But I'm sure you can find something that'll, you know, meet your needs. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Trains.com. If you are looking for a great deal on used and new model railroading products and want top-notch service, then please head over to trains.com where they have about over 120,000 products with new ones added every day. You can also sign up for their newsletter to see newly listed and newly discounted products and receive advance notice of upcoming promotions. Now, I've been using trains.com myself as well as my co-hosts, and we highly recommend them to our listeners. Now, if you're like us and you're always on the lookout for your next engine, join the Trains Rewards program to earn points on every purchase and unlock future discounts. And if you're an avid collector and want first dibs on new items, sign up for the private car membership to get early access to new listings, earn five points per dollar spent, and unlock great benefits like no questions asked returns. Now, guys, don't forget that uh, you'll need parts to keep your engines and cars operating smoothly. And to do this, Trains has a collection of 15,000 plus parts available on their website for any item you may need. And also, if you're interested in downsizing your collection or know someone who is unfortunately leaving the hobby, Trains also buys collections. So head over to sellmytrains.com to get a quote. And Trains makes it easy to sell your collection. Now, if you do plan on buying from them, please use our affiliate link, which is www.trains.com MMOP. You can also use our unique one-time promo code MMOP for $10 off a single purchase on the trains.com website. Well, now let's talk about tonight's episode. And uh, we are back 
talking about the Lionel 2022 Volume 2 catalog. And as always, where we won't be doing it alone. Uh, first, a, uh, um, a gentleman who needs no introduction, uh, Mr. Ryan Kunkel from Lionel. Uh, Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, great to be back on here with everybody. And of course, returning along with Ryan is our good friend and YouTube star, Eric Siegel from Eric's Trains YouTube channel. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. Howdy, howdy. Good to be back. Awesome. Yep. So you guys are veterans now of our catalog show. Uh, you know how it works. And uh, without further ado, uh, unless Johnny, unless you have uh, any quick thoughts or comments you want to make. Just a special thanks to our guests here tonight. Always a pleasure you guys ha- to have you guys back on the podcast. And uh, let's see what we have in store for us tonight. Excellent. And just one other thing to cover, uh, Ryan, since the catalog has been out now for uh, almost three weeks, um, we mm-hmm. uh, been able to actually get some questions from the Matt Matt Discord server family. Uh, so we'll as we go, go through the catalog, uh, if one of the questions has something to do with the material we're covering, uh, we'll go ahead and bring that up. That's perfect. I think that's a, uh, a much better, better use of our time and, and, uh, and service to everybody out there. If we can answer some questions, I'm sure everyone's already had a chance to look through the catalog, make your first couple passes of wish lists. And there's always questions. There's always uh, concerns. And hopefully we can answer some of those tonight and help you finalize your decisions before you uh, place your orders in the next couple of weeks. Yep. Spot on. Uh, as uh, Ryan said, folks, we are not going to like get into the nuts and bolts of all the details and all the features on anything, unless it's like something specifically that's new or something that's kind of really cool to that specific engine. Otherwise we'd rather just kind of talk about the, maybe like, why did you guys do it this way? Some of the paint choices, like a little bit more kind of on that side of the, uh, at that side of the fence. So, all right. Well, for those uh, following along, we are going to go ahead and start on page 14. Uh, And uh, there is definitely something pretty cool here. And it is uh, a brass hybrid challenger. And I just have one question and then I'll obviously let you answer and other folks can chime in. But uh, what was your what was your thought process about bringing uh, the brass hybrid to the challenger? Uh, well, it's, it's sort of a multi, multi-thought process that goes into these. Um, our, our brass hybrid program was designed to be a way for us to bring products to the market that, frankly, just wouldn't be a practical choice from a, uh, a die-cast tooling perspective. Uh, if we're going to try and invest, to invest what would have cost to tool this engine completely in die-cast, I don't know that we ever would have seen enough uh, sales down the pike to, to pay off that investment. But still a, an interesting prototype, very distinctive, and something that uh, there should certainly be enough interest in for at least a, a, a once around the, the horn production on these. And, uh, you know, the Santa Fe Mikado sort of fit that, that mold. Um, this is a, a really another great example that's right in that, that wheelhouse of a locomotive where we could share some of the existing tooling we already have. Uh, in this case, the, the frame from the Vision Line Challenger. But everything else really is all all new, and, and in this case, also all brass. Uh, the the C, uh, CMA uh, count, uh, sorry, C, yeah, CMA CSA two challengers 
very different uh, look, very different animal than the uh, the later challengers we're all used to and that we've run many times. Uh, you compare this to, you know, side by side with a 3985, they're very different locomotives. Uh, and they, of course, they were in service at the same time. So, um, you know, this is one of those cases where we always hear, well, I want something new. I want something different. Not another Mikado, not another Northern, not another uh, generic engine. And that's where these brass hybrids come in. Uh, this is a, a nice, big, distinctive steam locomotive uh, that you could double head with your existing Challenger very easily or run alongside it or, or stand alone on its own. If you're a Union Pacific guy, you definitely already see the need for uh, these alongside your other Challengers. Um, if, if, if you're not a Union Pacific guy, if you're just a big steam guy uh, or you like distinctive locomotives, this is this is really where it's at. Um a lot of the, the same legacy features that you get. We didn't put uh, all the same vision features into it, uh, just really to try and keep costs a little bit more in line on the engine. We left out, uh, for example, the blowdown smoke or the dynamo smoke. Um, but you still have the whistle steam. You still have the three-speaker sound. You still have uh, road number-specific dialogue. You'll have the four-digit addressing uh, on this locomotive. So you still have a lot of those high-end vision features that we do in our brass hybrid engines. And what will set this model apart from all the other challengers for sure is the very high level of detail that you get uh, in these brass locomotives because there's virtually nothing that's going to be molded into the engine. Everything is a standalone part. Uh, your sand lines aren't molded in, you know, and things like that. So you you really appreciate all the detail that goes into these models when you when you see them in brass. Yeah, I'm really, I, I like this a lot. I mean, I it was kind of a slow build for me to to get excited about this because when I first saw it, you know, the first day when I would the first pass through the catalog, I said, "Oh, okay, another Challenger." And then once I started reading and catching up on it, then I said, "Oh, it's an it's not a regular Challenger; it's an early Challenger." And the CSA Challengers were not something that I was really that well versed on and so i had to it was sort of a learning experience for me to to go and, and uh, read about them and and now that i know that it's kind of exciting to see you guys doing this it's sort of a uh, something you don't see in in o scale very often which is doing you know different variations of you know the same kind of locomotive uh that are each distinctive within themselves so that's that was really exciting to see and so i'm i'm super excited about it I'm super excited about it now yeah, there's there's several different detail variations on these. I mean, we we kept them all in the post 1944 range after they've been converted to oil, um, but there were still a lot of detail variations on these locomotives, and that was one of the reasons too why we included an unnumbered version for each of the detail types because there were even further variations and customizations. And I know that's not a huge part of the O scale hobby, but there are some out there who like that and. Uh, it gives you a nice jumping off point if you want to do something a little different with the model and change a few things up. Uh, you still have an engine. and if Or if you just want to build a larger fleet or you're part of a club and everyone else has the same numbers, you know, all the all the hard work's done for you. You just need to get yourself a set of UP de uh, steam locomotive decals and put numbers on it. Everything else will be there. 
yeah, these are really awesome engines and they definitely stand out um, with Union Pacific Power, especially with thanks to the Steam program. You see a lot of the the FEFs, a lot of the 3900 class challengers and the uh, the big boy, obviously. So getting a different variation of an early challenger is definitely definitely out there and something for some folks to get excited for, for new tooling. Um, I was talking with uh, the guys here on the podcast before the show started, um, but our buddy Jason um, actually called this before it came out. He said, oh, you know, Lionel's going to do these uh, early challengers and we all thought he was crazy. And, and lo and behold, we all ate our words afterwards, but these are, <laughs> these are really nice engines. Um, I, I got to ask, so what were some of the, um, thoughts behind some of the alternative paint schemes, specifically like Greyhound and of course uh, the fan favorite, the uh, 49er challenge, or as we love to refer to it as the, uh, the hot dog scheme, the hot dog scheme. Um, the custom, the, or the, the fancy paint schemes, they do so well for us uh, that to honestly, to, to not put a few of them out there at this point in the game uh, would be a lot of lost sales for us. Uh, so I, I chose to hear that, have a, a good proven track record. Uh, of course, for the Greyhound, there were some of the later challengers that got the Greyhound paint, so it's not quite as far-fetched as the others. Um, and it's it's just such a beautiful paint scheme, and it works so well that uh, I, I never worry about putting one of those out there. Uh, the The 49er scheme, it, it did so well for us on the, fir- the, on the first challenger. The first time we did that on the challenger, it was a real gamble. Um, and I thought, what the heck, it's, it's just going to be distinctive and you'll either love it or you hate it. And I know there are a lot of people in both camps on that one. Uh, but for all those who love it, uh, why not bring it back? And really this, the timeline on these locomotives puts them right in that same, same time span. So if it was believable on a 39, uh, 80 class, it, it'll be even more, more plausible on one of these slightly older designs. So, um, why not? Yeah, definitely very cool. I think I think I got my right now. I've got my eyes set on the the pilot just because it is a brass hybrid. I I think the pilot will showcase all that detailing really well. So excited about that. And I was actually telling someone a couple of weeks ago or so that uh, one of the things that I, I liked when Lionel went to the built to order scheme, it, at least the way I saw it. I don't know if it's really the truth, but uh, seems to me that it was a nice. Benef- one of the benefits of going to the built to order scheme years ago is that, well, now Lionel can, they can throw out some fantasy paint schemes that they might have not done years ago, but now they can throw them out. If they get orders for them, great. If they don't, well, all they wasted was some ink in the catalog. But it, I think it, at least to me, it seems that it allows you guys to do a lot more variations in terms of paint schemes because um, they're built to order. Yeah, 100%. Hundred um, percent. Although, to be honest, since we went to the build to order program, and that's been what six, seven years now, at least uh, since we went to that uh, program, I think I can still count on one hand the number of projects we haven't built uh, because we didn't get the orders. It's been very, very few that we we don't hit the MOQ. Um, but uh, I, I think what it really has helped us do is balance the the needs and the in the market with, with our production. Um, and it's helped, it certainly helped models hold their value once they're released. Um, and it's, it's helped us to, you know, avoid the costly overproduction runs of things. And also, frankly, the costly underproduction runs of certain things where we, we, we built probably typically the same number of locomotives for a good long while after switching things over, but the mix 
of what we built got very different uh, because we didn't have to guess. So we didn't end up with, you know, 50 short of one and 50 too many of another uh, on any given given uh, assortment of road names. And uh, that, that's really helped to balance a lot of that out. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a slightly different build model than what we had gone through before, but it's not, it's not that, uh, not that radically different than what we and most other manufacturers have really been doing for years. We just hold off on the order placement a little bit longer until we, we see everything that we've got um, and give, gives you all a chance to know what yeah, you're getting for sure. Yeah, I only had uh, one question from the Matt Matt server, and you actually answered it. So uh, you must have clairvoyance, Ryan. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a question about the uh, the dynamo and the injector smoke uh, not being on the brass challenger, and you pretty much answered that as to well, it's to keep it uh, keep it at a more affordable price. Yeah, I, I know at this at this retail price, you look at that and say, really, you're you're you're, you're you're trying to you're talking about a reasonable retail price, but uh, everything that we put in, especially especially this year, any bit of electronics we put in here adds a lot of cost. Um, the electronics components for us over the past twelve months and going into the into the next year have have really gone into crazy places in pricing, uh, as I'm sure you've probably heard other places, not just in the model train world, but just you know globally, and so. Trying to keep this from being a three thousand dollar locomotive, uh, we kept a few of the extra features out of there uh, on this round just to try and keep things a little bit more balanced. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to page twenty one, which are the L one Macados, and are um, now this is all new product. Uh, is it uh, is it correct to say were, were these tooling from MTH? Yes, this is uh, this is new to us tooling. This is uh, the old MTH tooling. Um, now, like our other previous MTH locomotives, it, they'll be heavily modified to lionelize them uh, for this catalog. Uh, I do have a few questions that came in, so let me go over those. So, uh, the first one was: um, is the is the delivery date uh, for the second quarter of 2023, or will it be later? And I know it's kind of soon to obviously put that out there but you know if you had a a guest to make i guess if i if i had to guess right now i would say late second quarter is possible okay. uh third quarter is probably more likely or safe okay um we won't have a production schedule until we get the orders in uh at the beginning of september uh probably about mid-september we have a production schedule and then i'll have a better better sense of when things will fall our, our goal would be to try and get at least one or two projects out of this catalog, steam projects uh, done before the Chinese New Year break in January um, to get the delivery spread out a little bit more. But uh, it's it's just a little too early to, to say for sure if we'll be able to pull that many in or which projects those will be. Things could slide around a little bit in the order. They always, they always can, but... Uh, certainly, I, the, the goal would be for everything in this catalog to deliver sometime in the first half or by summer of uh, of next okay, year. Okay, gotcha. And um, I know it uh, on the features, I know it states a minimum curve of 042, which is um, uh, an unusual minimum curve. I, I don't see that very much from you from you folks. <laughs> but uh, it, will will it clear 036? 
I can't answer that definitively. I think that it probably will. Uh, one feature that this will have that we don't have listed in the catalog, the designs have been finished on it now. We are adding the kinematic drawbar to this, which will get that tender in a little bit more close. So uh, we we kept with the MTH recommended minimum curve on this in the catalog because we knew it would at least be able to do that. Um, I think there's the potential that it could do 036. I I don't think I would try and push this to 031. Okay, no, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, 042 and 036 <laughs> usually are, are pretty good buddies most of the time, but yeah, I think 031 mm-hmm. would definitely be a push. Uh, another question is, will this have ash pan glow? Uh, yes, yes, this will have ash pan glow. That's something we are adding. The, uh, the MTH did not have that, I believe. But we're adding that in on on our. our that was a good question because I, I kind of I saw that glow on the catalog page, and uh, I thought that myself at one point. So yeah, that's that's nice to see. I really like how MT. Uh, sorry, I really like how Lionel is modifying the MTH stuff to, and I, I think I said this last time. You know, modifying it to kind of Lionelize it, and not just throwing it in the catalog and saying, "Oh, here it is," just like it was before. Uh, I think that's really nice to see all these features being added uh, to these models. Well, we want we want to make them, you know, part of the part of the Lionel family. And uh, the MTH the tooling sale uh, an opportunity was was a great chance for us to pick up some some tools for projects that would have liked to have gotten to eventually. But frankly, one of the reasons I didn't put a high high level of pressure on them was. MTH was doing them and had done them well. And, uh, you know, I'd rather invest tooling money in something that wasn't already out there. But uh, when the opportunity came available and it looked like this was going to be, you know, there wouldn't be any other other way to, for these things to continue other than someone to tool them all, for, all from scratch. Uh, we definitely picked up picked up a few and Pensy L1s and some other Pensy Steam and well, some of the other things, frankly, you've seen in catalogs already and that you'll see coming out in the not too distant future. Uh, we're all projects that had MTH not done them probably would have been in our, our list of things to do. Uh, but the days of trying to go head to head and compete on every single project uh, to compete for everyone's dollars just, you know, doesn't make, really make sense in, in today's market. So uh, we, we focused on things that hadn't been done yet. And uh, this gives us a, a good bridge into a lot of products that we, we hadn't done. And as you saw with the, the challengers, we're still looking to do things that have never been done as well. It's a, it's just a, a better mix now going forward. Right on. And just a clarification too. Um, first of all, just really quick, these are really fantastic looking and I, I like the price point on these as well. So these are um, right at the, you know, thousand dollar threshold, but I think that's pretty fair uh, for what you're getting out of these. My question though, is because uh, obviously the Santa Fe model is, Nine ninety nine compared to the nine forty nine. I know it states it's you know has a brass tender. The Santa Fe model is the only one with the brass tender. Just to clarify, correct, correct. The Santa Fe bought three of these from the Pensy, and when they were in service on the railroad, they they parked the Pensy tender and put uh, one of their standard oil burning tenders on it. So we're actually using the same tender we used on that uh, that first brass hybrid Santa Fe Mikado. Uh, and so it'll be accurate for the for the locomotive. First time that's been done, and uh, obviously it's a it's a premium tender. It's a, a, a bit more of an expense for us to 
put that on there. But for $50 for Santa Fe fans, I think you'd agree it's it's certainly worth that extra little bit of money to, to get it I, right. I would, I would agree with that, yes, as a Santa Fe fan. <laughs> uh, I'll pass it over to, to Johnny, and it looks like uh, Mr. Matt Z has joined us. So, Johnny or Matt Z. You guys have any thoughts on the on the L one Mikado? Yeah, I'll hand it over to Matt Z okay. here. I'll, I'll let him take a control of the mic. All right, well, I, I guess I picked the right time to join. So, uh, Ryan, hey, huge thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, sorry, I, I had uh, something I had to I had to do real quick, but uh, uh, big thanks. Uh, joined at the perfect time with this L one man. I love this thing. Let me tell you when I uh, when I saw the catalog drop and I saw the the L1 in there. I'm like, Oh my God, I love it, man. I couldn't be happier. Let me tell you. Great, great offering. Uh, I really like it. Now, one thing I was curious on with this, uh, two things. Um, first of all, in the catalog picture, it looks like the bell is tilted up. Was there any plans to do a swing bell in this or did it just not fit? Or what was the deal with that? Uh, no, I think that's just the way the the casting was sitting on the model when uh, when Taylor took the picture of it for the for the catalog okay. shot. Um, from from what I can recall, the Pensy L ones uh, they did not have a swinging bell uh, bracket uh, on their air ringer. It was just a clapper. So uh, no reason to prototypically at least to put a uh, swinging bell okay. on this one. Taking the uh, the mic over from uh, Matt Z here, just a really quick question, and this is also going off of the the renders in the catalog. Are some of these going to have darkened rods versus polished rods here? Um, I believe it's a good question. Looking at the looking at the catalog art, the DTNI and the Santa Fe look a little bit brighter, but I don't think I called out polished rods on any of these engines. I believe these all have the uh, the darkened rods. I think it might be just the way the the art rendered on some of those. Gotcha, gotcha. Just want to make sure for those folks who there who really like their rods being one way or another for their steam engines there. Yeah. One thing that did come up, uh, because our virtual art for the, um, uh, it's, I guess it's number uh, 2331012, uh, the 4030. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, I take that back. 1627, the second, uh, the, un, the unshown uh, post-war version. Uh, our virtual art online had the red cab roof on that, uh, and that was just a glitch in the cab roof. The production art never had that on there. Um, post-war, the Pensies we sort of stopped painting the tender decks and the, the cab roofs altogether. So we were leaving those green on, on both of those. But that was a question that's come up a few times in emails to me, so might as well address that one here as well. They'll both be, as you see them pictured there in the catalog. Excellent. Yeah. And Ryan, if you do have uh, any questions that we don't bring up and you it was something that you saw kind of come in via email or some other kind of social media. um, Yeah, please feel free to kind of bring it up on the podcast here. Let folks know. I mean, we're not going to get every question, although (laughs) we have some pretty dedicated uh, fans in our discord, which uh, that have come up with some pretty interesting questions. But uh, I promise you, we won't hit them all. So please feel free to, to bring up any of those little tidbits about any of the engines uh, that we go over tonight. Oh, of course. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to page 23. Uh, and uh, we have the Green Briars. I'm super and, excited uh, about this. <laughs> go, Same you know here. Yeah, plus one. Uh, go for it. Go for it, Eric. <laughs> okay. So I got to ask, uh, this looks like... I have an MTH Greenbrier and this looks similar. So is this 
XMTH Greenbrier? Yes, That's this is awesome. also XMTH. Because I, I love the MTH model, and I'm so excited to get one with Whistle Steam and Lionel Sound. Uh, super stoked, especially the Chessy version a couple pages later. But uh, uh, yeah, I was really excited to see this in the catalog. Excellent. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be be happy to see these coming back. Uh, MTH hadn't run these, I think, in quite a few years. So uh, really happy to to bring this one back into the into the lineup. Like you said, it'll get the full Lionel treatment with the whistle steam, the uh, legacy, the rail sounds, the Bluetooth, um, and it, it's going to be a, a beautiful model. I'm I'm glad to have this one in the in the roster as well for sure. And you know, we tried to do a couple of couple of little variations here and there that. MTH hadn't done in the past. It's hard on a class like this that was all of five engines strong. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they've, they've done pretty much every paint scheme variation. We, I did have a lot of requests after the catalog uh, and questions about doing the green, uh, Greenbrier Express version. Uh, we have to make sure we get the licensing for that. Uh, I saved that one for a future round just based off the licensing. And, and uh, I knew MTH had done that more recently. Frankly, wasn't quite sure how much of a draw it would have since it never really ran in that paint scheme uh, but a lot of people have seen it and, and been around it so I, I think for those who are looking for that uh rest not we'll as long as we can get the green briars approval on it we'll we'll look for that down the road as a, a possible second run on these yeah i'll chime in with these engines this is something that when i saw it in the catalog i was very excited about it um the green briars are a very beautiful engine something about them being giant northerns but with that pilot they make them look almost uh semi streamlined which is really cool about them uh one thing i really thought like that you guys included is very few folks know uh, due to most being familiar with 614 but the green Briars actually had smoke deflectors with them sometimes so the fact that you guys went and made a version with the smoke deflectors is something that's super cool yeah, it was it was an experiment. Um, I think the six thirteen is the only one that ever got them, and and it didn't have them very long. Uh, then there was a, a grade crossing accident, and they they blamed the it on, on visibility issues, and and they they came off. But it's such a cool look that, uh, and again, one of those little difference differences that hadn't been done before that really wanted to include it. And then once we came up with the fantasy scheme idea for this, it seemed like a real natural to put it on that version as well. I love that 613 with the smoke deflectors. That that one just looks bad. It, it looks it looks like a mean machine. Let me tell you, I I love the look of that one. Uh, are the smoke deflectors going to be removable on the ones, or are they going to be just uh, st- uh, cast and you can't take them off? Uh, we'll probably have those those cast on there. Um, they won't be uh, cast onto the main, you know, as one part of the body. But uh, I don't think we're going to tool those to make them easily okay. on and off. Just for, for durability. Gotcha. Cool. I love that Chessie six twelve. Is that now? I I don't is is that orange? Is that you know? Is that something that was done at one point? Because I always thought it was yellow. Um, so uh, so everything that I've read on the original Chessie and the the few photos that are out there of some of the cars when they were lettered for the Chessie uh, on just on public display and so forth before the train really got launched was that the original color was intended to be orange. Okay. Um, and, and that included the the Hudson's. And uh, I can't remember if the, the turbine was going to have orange on it at first or if that ended up going straight to yellow. Or I mean, it, it pretty much went straight to the scrap line after it was in service for a few, <laughs> a few months. But um, 
but yeah, we, we went with the oranges. That was what CNO originally planned. And then they went to the yellow, um, not too That's long really after cool. on the road doing a yellow version of this, you know, who knows, maybe, uh, nice to have sort of both options, but I thought for, for round one here, we, we just do it one way and, uh, just do the orange for something a little bit different. Uh, so the orange on the locomotive will match the the band on the, the passenger yeah, cars as well. Super excited. I mean, this is one of those ones where you, when you're going through the catalog, there's some that I, it's a must have. And then others you kind of have to think about for a while. And this was immediately on the must have. I said, I got to get this 612. This looks so cool. And the matching passenger cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a, this is a cool one. Uh, it's, it's a great looking paint scheme. Uh, the art on this one really turned out uh, wonderfully. And it's one of those fantasies that to me fall, falls into the plausibility camp, right? The the Chessie as a whole experiment didn't really pan out. But if the train had remained on on for a while and the, the turbines that were supposed to pull it, we know, didn't didn't work, the CNO would have needed to put something on here. And let's assume it wasn't a diesel. Uh, so why not take your most reliable and other most modern steam power and uh, and dress it up to match the train. And that would have been one of these uh, Greenbriars. So uh, that's that's the route we took with it. And uh, I don't think it's completely illogical to assume that had the train survived, you could have seen something like this. Uh, if, if you, you know, lay awake at night worried about things like that. <laughs> um, but uh, at the end of the day, too, it's just a beautiful train. It's going to be a beautiful model. And it's going to look stunning running around anyone's layout. On the... Uh the XMTH miles, I, I meant to mention this with the uh, L1. These are going to have the uh, your guys' uh, wireless tether, correct, with the drawbar? Okay. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The L1 will also have the kinematic drawbar so that it tightens in on the curves or, you know, on the straights. Oh, sweet. Uh, but they'll all have the wireless drawbar for sure. Kind of chiming in here on the uh, the chassis one. So this is a question uh, some of the guys had because we a bunch of us guys on the Discord side were all hopped in a call, excited, waiting for the cattle to drop the day of. Um, we were we were looking at this paint scheme. We were very excited to buy it, about it. But is the ribbing on the smoke deflectors and the tender is that actually be also be present on the actual model as well as an actual ribbing or just like a paint on there? It'll be it'll be the simulated paint effect on those, uh, like we've done on some of the other other cars. Um, and it's it's actually very convincing and um, and semi prototypical. A lot of railroads uh, did that when they were were updating locomotives and trying to blend in older equipment with uh, more modern equipment. And we've got the the paint technique down for that pretty well at, uh, on these to, to simulate it quite nicely. So um, we had the artists uh, add that on here just to, to you know again sort of tie the whole train together. Perfect, perfect. And then for uh, and I, I can also attest for the the ribbing. I actually got the uh, the ski train cars, and you guys did the same paint ski, paint mm-hmm. style on there as well. And yeah, it's one of those things where you you have to physically touch it to confirm if it's actually real ribbing or not. So you guys do a very good job with that. Um, yeah. And then my next question is something else we noticed um, when when looking at this paint scheme. So there are some bits on the lower part of the engine that are black. Um, also like the pilot mm-hmm. truck as well. Are those going to also be black on the production model or are they, are they going to be silver like everything else in the engine? Uh, most of those bits will probably be black, um, especially the pilot trucks there uh, because of the, they're a centered metal. Uh, those, those axles, at least um, they don't, they don't take paint as well. Uh, so we usually try and leave them uh, unpainted. 
uh, just for that that purpose. And then some of the interior chassis uh, pieces and so forth, uh, we'll leave those black as well. So they sort of recede into the background and don't compete for your attention on the model. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, these are going to be really cool. And anybody who is excited to get one will uh, definitely be disappointed. Uh, quick question on the the Chessie passenger car four pack. It looks like the, the observation car is also a Vista Dome car, which I actually thought was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the uh, the cool features of the the original train. It had the uh, the Vista Dome uh, observation. There weren't a whole lot of those, but that was one of the trains that was going to have it. I think that car. I think that exact dome eventually ended up on the rock island i think that became their big ben if i'm not oh not mistaken. interesting okay all right yeah um another question just for the pasture cars um for this set now once again i'm just going based off the renders i do notice the diaphragms for the main dome car in the four pack doesn't seem to line up with the one from the other cars it's uh is that still going to be the same in the production model or will that be be changed Oh, that's a that's a good catch in the art. Yeah, yeah, they'll be the same in the in the final model for sure. We'll we'll use the same diaphragms on on all of cool, them. Cool, cool. All right, cool. Thank you. Yep. Not, nothing. Uh, nothing gets past the catalog detectives, Ryan. So <laughs> count every rivet here. <laughs> no, no, that's that's good. We, we as we piece things together, sometimes from various sets, little things like that get get overlooked, and you know, there's about the. Uh, nine or 10 of us in the company that actually go through these catalogs, believe it or not, at least three times from the time we start to the time they go to press. But after you've looked at them so many times, you, you just start to, you start to miss stuff, even when it's obvious in front of your face. Yeah. It's always like that. Everything starts to blend together. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, the N6B cabooses do not have removable coal loads. And the Mikados are not the same length as the Green Briars and the 260s. Oops. I have to I have to point out a quick little oops. Yeah, I was one year it was the uh just copy the description from the Niagara. It was like the H tens at stereo sound or something. I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of funny. Yeah, it happens. No. It happens. We're we're oh, human. Yeah. Yep. I I I got I got to poke a little fun at you here, Ryan. Nothing. I'm not I'm not being serious. But in case there's some folks who who have who are even more scrutinous than we are, um, the 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 number for the the Chessie one will be uh, six twelve, correct? Because the boiler front is six thirteen. Yes, it'll be six twelve. Okay, just want to make sure. I, I I didn't. I thought that was the case, but there's probably somebody out there who had that question. Yep, yep. The Chessie will be six twelve. Six thirteen is the uh, the other elephant ear version. Cool, cool. Both the standard versions. black. Awesome. My God, I didn't. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> 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 All right, let's go. Uh, let's go. Is anybody have any more questions on the Greenbriars before I move on? Let's move on. Okay. Yep. Let's move on. Uh, let's go ahead and move to page twenty eight. We got these really awesome looking two six O's and uh, some matching passenger cars as well to go with them. So um, I, these are absolutely stunning looking. I love that Canadian national with the cars. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pass this around the room and let you guys talk about it. 
Well, the Strasbourg 89 is, uh, is probably the one I, I would think. I would think the Strasbourg 89 on the next page is probably the one that's most exciting to people. I had to guess. That's what I'm getting. The uh, the one I like uh, the most is the uh, the black the Canadian National 89 with the cars. I really like the 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 uh, marker lights and the number boards on top. That one's great looking. I like that a lot. So I guess I'll be the first one to ask a clarification question, and this is just me scrutinizing the render a little bit here. So I am a really big fan of the SP and the, say, uh, the uh, San Luis and Rio Grande ones. Um, now, I will say, um, since the other ones have a lot of really nice detail underside the boiler, I do see you can kind of see through the chassis for these engines. Is that going to be something that's going to be a presence on the production model, or is that just something that's here on the renders only? I think what you're seeing there is just a little bit of something different in the in the way the art rendered on these. It's the same tooling uh, for all these. There's really not a, you know any any big difference between uh, the, the frame and the boiler and, and all that, uh, and then the different variations. So I don't think uh, those two would have any any major differences than than the others. The the big differences that we made in these obviously the tenders for those two. Uh, but the the rest of the differences are all up around the the pilot and the smoke box front, um, uh, and, and that that area. I will say there are a lot of omissions uh, on these in the catalog art, uh, just due to the, the scheduling of things. We didn't have the final designs in the factory until shortly after the catalog went to uh, to print. So we used some previous uh, renditions that we had that were closed to create the virtual. Uh, the Strasburgs in particular, because I've had. Uh, I'll just say a couple of uh, emails about that. Uh, Dave and I have both fielded a few uh, since the catalog came out. They will have the ladders from the running boards down to the pilot. Uh, the headlight on the earlier version of the 89 is sitting properly where it should be. Uh, there, there are quite a number of different uh, – the spoke pilot wheels will be, will be on both of those versions. So, yeah, there will be quite a few detail variations are they going to be exact for 89? No, the steam chests are still different. Uh, you know, there, there are a few few things in the tooling that are just too big for us to, to change. But the smaller details that we could get right, uh, we'll, we'll have those corrected on these models. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. And then one more thing I want to, to poke at, um, because it's, it's listed here in the catalog. Um, so what's uh, tell us a little bit about this new gearbox design that we're, uh, we're seeing promoted here. Sure. So the last time we ran these uh, moguls, um, a few of them exhibited a little bit of a jitteriness at like speed steps one and two, uh, that, you know, a little bit of a hesitation. And uh, it took us the better part of, you know, eight or nine months, I think, between the factories, our engineering teams here and in uh, Michigan and uh, California at the time, uh, customer service to tear these apart and rebuild them and try and figure out what was causing it. And uh, ultimately, we're not sure that there was any one single root cause. Uh, there were some uh, some assembly issues in the valve gear. There were a few other things, but the only thing we found that we could really address in a design from a design perspective was that the the gearbox was not properly back drivable. So that has been uh, improved to make it a, a true back drivable gearbox, and uh, that that's a, a pretty in, important part in getting that low speed uh, function out of uh, uh, legacy engines that everyone is really used 
used to and uh, and accustomed to. And since it became a, a pretty vocal issue, even though from the returns we had, it didn't impact a very large portion of the, uh, at least a large portion of the people who had them didn't seem to be too concerned with it. But those who were, were very vocally concerned. So we wanted to make sure that we got that addressed for the next production run. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. It's one of those things where we're really happy to see that uh, something that was brought up in the past, you guys are taking that feedback, internalizing it, and using it to make a, a better product moving forward. So uh, very good to hear that. Mm-hmm. We, we did have a question come up uh, on number 89. Uh, and the question was if, um, if the bell was recorded in addition to her whistle. Uh, we have not recorded 89's bell yet, uh, but there's still very much a good chance that we could we can get that done before uh, we launch this product out into the market. 89 was not uh, was not fired up when we were up there the last time to do the sound recording, so just have to make another trip. All right, so the 2000 Strasburg will the 2000 Strasburg 89 have the steps on the sides of the smoke box? like it does in real life, or will only the Canadian national version have them? Uh, that Both of the Strasbourg versions will have those steps as well. Yeah, they'll, they'll both be added in there. They're not shown on the virtual art, but the uh, the designs for the product uh, do have those on there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then I believe we had one more question, actually, um, on the 260s here, specifically for the uh, San Luis and Rio Grande version. Um, Will it, they have, let's see, I think the question was, will it be in the original service version or the version after Niles Canyon was done with restoration? That's a really good question. I'm not uh, quite sure what all of the, the differences would be between those two. Um, to be honest with you, we've, I found a few photos of this um, online and that's how we based our, our art and uh, we've got the details as close to that. Uh, as we could, uh, I believe it's probably the contemporary, the more contemporary of the two, but I'm not a hundred percent on that, to be honest. Gotcha. With you. I appreciate you giving your best answer there. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't know the answer to that either, but, uh, glad you would, you're willing to take a crack at the question there. Um, let's go ahead and move on to page. We'll just hit page 32 really quickly. Uh, these are the Strasburg railroad, uh, passenger cars. So, um, any, you know, anyone feel free to kind of chime in here if anyone's interested. I, uh, I like them a lot. The, uh, the red one's calling my name. Is that like an X Pensy or something like that? Kind of looks like a Pensy car. Uh, actually, this is all the same car. Um, it was um, owned by one of the many vice presidents of the, the railroad at the, at the startup. Uh, and they used it as a private car and they, they traveled. It, it stayed at Strasburg sometimes, but it also left home rails a lot and, uh, and toured the country a bit. The, the car is originally a New York central car. Uh, the first paint scheme, uh, was probably the one in the bottom right corner, the, the two-tone gray with the, uh, the red stripe. And then I'm not sure if the red came next or if the red came last, um, but they went into their green phase for a few years, uh, and then they painted it that um, light brown, tan, and yellow to, to match the Paradise. Uh, Paradise wore that green paint, too, for a little while, the, the observation car, so may have to do that one down the road as well. Um, but the two of those would, would pair up nicely together sitting on the station platform, uh, and then they, they did go in a more Pensy-inspired 
uh, livery there in the red, which I kind of like that one too. I think it's uh, one of the, the more attractive paint schemes uh, that they, they put on it. Um, but yeah, they, it's, uh, there, there are quite a few photos of it out there and uh, no two of them seem to be in the same exact decoration. Uh, so uh, we said, what the heck, if we're going to do it, we'll, we'll go ahead and just issue them in, in all the different variations here and you can uh, use it to your heart's content. Uh, but like I said, this one did wander. So I, I found some photos of, of it as far away as Denver. Uh, so it, it made its way around. So like, was it used on like the two-tone gray near central flavor style one? Was that used on like trains for like near central? Was it only for Strasburg? Uh, originally, it was a New York central car. Um, and then I think they acquired it from Penn Central. Uh, but it was still probably in that two-tone paint. And they probably added the... Uh, the red band above the window and changed the car name when they, when they acquired it. Um, I found some pictures either online or in one of the books uh, that I have of it in that paint scheme coming through uh, Harrisburg station, uh, possibly on its way to delivery or recently after uh, on, on, a, on an outing. So um, it, it, it wore that for probably about the first year or two. Uh, and then I think it got painted into the green, if I remember correctly. Uh, wore that for a few years, got the tan and then uh, into the red uh, before it was sold off. And I, someone told me where it went after that. And I, I can't recall off the top of my head where, where she's wandered off to now. I got you. Nice. All right. Let's go ahead and move over into the diesels. Uh, so we are on page 36 for those following along. And uh, we have some SD40 T-2s. Good old tunnel motors. Uh, Yep, absolutely. These are these are pretty cool. Uh, That that uh, obviously that good old yellow and blue Santa Fe has uh, definitely caught my eye. Uh, We do have some questions, though, or at least yeah, a couple questions here. So these do or do not have kinematic pilots. These do not. Uh, these still have the original uh, swinging pilots on them, so they'll do uh, the 0.31 curves. Uh, so they'll have it. They, they have it. You lose a little bit of the, the detail, but you get the tighter curve radius on them. Okay. Uh, we've converted a lot of our locomotives. These haven't gone through the conversion yet. Uh, so for those who still like the the smaller curves, uh, this this still gives you a good good locomotive to use. Gotcha. Awesome. And something I noticed, and obviously this was in. Uh, kind of present in the previous catalog as well is it looks like a lot of your diesels are, are kind of, you got like the main, obviously full fledged uh, diesel engine. And then you're also offering the super base version. Is that kind of going to be like a standard moving forward with uh, these diesels? If the sales keep holding up this way, it will be. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, it, it gives a nice option. I think the super base was not a, a regular production piece for a long time. And we brought it back a few years ago um, and people really embraced it. Uh, we were doing it in uh, multiple unit uh, lash ups, like, you know, F sevens and F A's and stuff like that for a while, but it really hadn't been done much in, I'll say more of a standalone type of locomotive, right. you know, um, and I think this is nice cause you can, you can take a super base and mix it in with a, a more varied, uh, locomotive concepts. They don't all have to be SD40 T-2s, right? You could put it in with, uh, an SD45 and a, an SD40 or a, a dash nine, you know, whatever you wanted and, uh, get one of those more eclectic 
modern locomotive uh, consists, but have that same bassy sound effect uh, in there. And that's what I kind of like about it. I think it's a neat way. You don't really necessarily need the extra motors and the extra power in that situation, but having the extra bass and the sound uh, can make a big difference, uh, especially if you're running as a club layout or at a show where you've got a lot of other noise uh, to, to compete with. You want to get the max out of your, uh, out of your training. Yeah, I agree. I, I've really enjoyed seeing the super bass come to the individual units. Like you said, it's uh, you know, it's, I think it's a kind of like a non-powered unit on steroids, you know, where uh, you get, you get every, you get all the benefits, but there's no motors. And so you're able to save a little, little bit of money uh, and yet get all the lights and the, and the smoke and the, uh, um, and of course the, the super bass sounds, uh, so uh, the, the, uh, super bass, they do have smoke, right? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, they do have smoke. Uh, they have smoke, they have full lighting. Uh, they really have everything yeah. but the motors. Uh, and the thought there is, you know, if you have it in the consist and they're all smoking away, you don't want this one to stand out as the only one that that's not, especially when it's the one that sounds like it's right. working the hardest. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we make sure we put the smoke in there and, uh, and give you the lighting so that if you wanted to put it at the front of the train, you could, uh, or mix it in wherever you wanted to. Yeah, I like taxes. that. That's really nice. They're all, they all look great. I love the uh, Paul Simon paint, <laughs> the Kodachrome. I, I love that. I <laughs> think I poked fun at Matt uh Matt R because he 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 loves his Santa Fe. I mean, but he I'm trying to turn him to the uh, to the DHL <laughs> delivery scheme there. I like that. That's, that's the one I'm getting is because uh, it's oh, is it? Yeah, because I, I <laughs> nice. I, I don't have anything else like it, and uh, it's it's just different. So that that's the one I, I think I think that's the one I'm getting. I'm not a Kodachrome guy, but that that does look sharp. I have Stockholm syndrome. I like it, but I, I really don't. But I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> it does i think this i think the yeah. silver trucks on it like really make mm-hmm. it kind of pop out as well really help a lot mm-hmm. and for you kids yeah, at home if you don't know what kodachrome is uh at least what i my my impression of it is when you used to have to go buy film in the in the drugstore the box it came in was that was that kind of color and uh that's so that's what it is it's a film it's a camera film yeah, and, and and for those same kids, film <laughs> is this thing we used to have to use with our pictures. Um, and we couldn't do it with our phone. You had to buy a separate device yeah. called a camera, and you had to load these things manually, and you got 24 shots, and then you you waited a couple of days to a couple of weeks to see if the yeah, pictures turned take out. take 24 enough. pictures, and maybe if you're lucky, six of them would turn out okay. <laughs> And the rest of them would have your thumb in them. Your thumb, where they'd be overexposed <laughs> or underexposed. Yeah. <laughs> it was the dark I ages. A, I did have a question on these, though, and it relates back to the fixed pilot thing. Is there a plan to have to maybe include like fixed pilots, like separately in the box for any of these engines, or is that something that you guys haven't looked into yet? Uh, not on these. Um, I know people have done conversions of these many times over the years in the past. Um, putting in a shim and screwing the, the pilot directly onto the frame. Um, it's very doable uh, with a little bit of modeling uh, skill and patience. Um, so it, it's definitely something you can do. Uh, and I'm sure if you go out on the, on the forums and whatnot and look, you'll, you'll find uh, places to, to see that uh, done and see how it's done. Um, 
it's sort of the way a lot of O-gagers have been scalifying three rail trains for for decades. Uh, and we really haven't changed that much in, in that part of the tooling to make it any different now than uh, the last several runs of these these models. Uh, down the road, will we, will we put a kinematic on these? It, it's something we'll probably look at uh, at some point. Um, it's, it's not a conversion that I'm rushing into because I – I, I hear from both sides of the, the community on that. Some people really want the want more fixed pilots or at least more kinematic pilots. Uh, and the 054 minimum curve is not an issue at all. Uh, others, you know, o, anything over 031 is an issue. Uh, and the more we, we gravitate towards the other market, uh, the more they feel like they're just being, um, you know, glossed over uh, with the, with their tighter curves. So, we're always trying to find that balance and keep a, a little something out there for everybody. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move on to page 39. Uh, we have our FA2s. And then before we actually get started on the model itself, I do have to say uh, I'm not a betting man, but I'm pretty sure that there are multiple people at Lionel that absolutely love Halloween. <laughs> Because your Halloween stuff, like in the last several years, has been like out of control and it's been absolutely fa fabulous, especially on the sound side of the thing, uh, you know, the sound side of things. We we definitely have a few Lionel or uh, uh, Halloween uh, junkies at Lionel for sure. Um, Megan, uh, one of our project managers uh, who you've. I've seen with on us with several times talking things. She's done our accessories. She's now taking over uh, more of the sets and traditional rolling stock and locomotives as well. Uh, she is all about Halloween and uh, she's the creative genius behind a lot of these. Uh, one of our artists, uh, Sarah does uh, a lot of the art for these. She's a, a, a Halloween fan. Um, she didn't do the FAs in this catalog. They came from, uh, from Caitlin. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we've got a few people who really love it. I, I think there's also just a lot of us who, uh, enjoy having fun and, you know, people know me, know I'm one of the, you know, sort of prototype train guys, but I, I like to have fun every now and then in non prototypical ways and, uh, putting cool sounds and putting cool graphics on an engine, uh, and, and putting something on the track and just hearing it and go, okay, that's just cool. Uh, you know, there's, there's a fun factor to that that makes the job um, more interesting. And if we're having fun, I figure you guys are probably having fun with it, too. And I know we, you know, we take some of these Halloween trains to shows and we run them and, you know, heads turn. Right. You hear that werewolf howl uh, instead of a uh, of a whistle or you, you hear the uh, just the crazy sound effects we put in these and uh, and the great uh, graphics that we've done on, on a lot of these things. And it, it just, it makes you want it right then and there. Uh, the, the catalog doesn't always do these justice because you don't get that whole uh, wow factor that you have when it's when it's in your face and running. Yeah, that uh, again, the Halloween one is just outstanding. In fact, I, I think I would have to say it's probably my favorite, favorite one. And I would even consider uh, ordering that one. I think it's just, I love the graphics on it. Um, the fact that you have like again you know not to kind of like hop hop keep hopping on the halloween stuff but you know i love those uh spooky sounds the halloween sounds it's just something something to run at halloween you know people sometimes want an excuse to be able to run uh holiday-ish type 
engines and this one definitely gives them an excuse to, to buy one for sure yeah well what i always tell people is you know if a, a lot of our market is seasonal they, they get their trains out uh you know in the in the late fall and run them through uh the, the christmas holiday season and then pack them up i said you know if you, if you have a halloween train now you don't have to wait till closer to thanksgiving to get the trains out because you want to run your halloween train and that's you know a fun little decoration to have in the house so it gets your trains out of the out of the boxes like a whole month earlier maybe six weeks earlier and and, and that much more fun playtime with it. So you got to have at least one if you're a seasonal model train guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll I'll digress. Uh, and I'll obviously open this up to the floor. I'm sure you, uh, everyone else has got uh, other questions about these uh, really cool looking FA2s. I will admit that I uh, I did think about getting the Halloween one just because I want to hear the spooky sounds. <laughs> um so that's that I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but all these look great. I, I haven't decided I'm kind of leaning towards the New York Central just because it kind of has sort of a, at least to me, kind of has sort of a post-war, you know, kind of vibe to it. But uh, I like all these. They look great. And we got Super Base again. So. Yes, because uh, for the for the New York Central, the Pensy and the DNH, obviously those are are more, more passenger oriented paint schemes uh, as opposed to the, the freight paint schemes. The Central and the Pensy both had uh, FA twos for freight service. They didn't really put them in passenger service, but sort of going back to what we were talking about just a few few pages ago with the, the tighter curves and smaller layouts, uh, the FA gives you a nice uh, small layout friendly Alco passenger option uh, for folks who may not you know, have the, the visual space or want um, a, a giant PA running around on their layout. A pair of these with uh, shorter passenger cars is going to look right with, you know, a 15-inch passenger car uh, as opposed to a, a scale PA with it. So uh, that was kind of the thinking behind there, give people the different option and paint schemes we hadn't done before. Um, and yeah, I think I think those turned out quite nice. Yeah, that, that Marine Corps one is really cool, too. It reminds me of like I, something that was either done in the post-war years or maybe MPC era. Uh, and it kind of mm -hmm. has that vibe to it, too. So, yeah, very cool. That was absolutely the inspiration for that. Uh, the, the 212 uh, USMC FA, uh, like we did with sort of our pre-war inspired, our template inspired uh, scale sets of, a few years back. Uh, taking an older train uh, from Lionel's catalog and just putting the putting it on a scale body with the um, with all the details and features, uh, we've had a lot of positive positive response on that too. Um, you know, just a, the military trains in the last several catalogs have been a huge success mm -hmm. for us. Um, Want to do something a little bit different this time and combine that with the uh, that post war MPC era. Uh, uh, feel on, on yeah, I've models. always been a big fan of when you guys do uh, kind of modern scale representations of some of those classics, like you know the Vision Line 700E and the GG1 and uh, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it's always cool to see that stuff. Um, yeah, definitely. So I had a, a couple of questions, uh, specifically on the um, the Marine Corps set. So now that we're on it. Um, two things. First of all, for the sound package, is that going to have like a uh, post horn inspired uh, uh, bicycle horn as as uh, as it's known? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, we will make these. All these will all have the five different horn options with Legacy now. So we'll make a, a post-war horn. <laughs> one cool. for sure. I love that already. And <laughs> not to be that guy, but the post-war two twelve never had a Mars light. Is there? Is that just a mistake, or is that how the model's going to be? I think that's a mistake in the art because I didn't call that out on the original okay. either. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably do these in just a single headlight. Although the Mars light is a cool, cool add-on too. So. Uh, if anyone has any specific feedback one way or the other, I can still, I can still change my mind. I actually looked at pictures this morning. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember if I have one or not. So I looked at it. I'm like, it doesn't. So, I mean, if, you know, I would say without it, but you know, that's, that, that, that's just one man's opinion, but, uh, uh, really cool. Now I will ask a question that I did see flying around our discord. Um, for the Erie Lackawanna units, are those yellow? Is the yellow going to be that like pastel or is it going to be more like a darker yellow in in the final round? It should be a little bit of a darker yellow than we used on the last last round. Okay, gotcha. Perfect. Just want to get that clarification. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and move on to page 44. Uh, we have some uh, SD70 ACEs and uh, you can't uh, can't mention SD70 ACEs without thinking about uh, UP. Uh, heritage units which i'm very happy to see uh are back uh in the catalog so in fact i don't think a lot of these probably haven't been done in i, I don't know probably what 14 15 years i'm guessing maybe it's been a while wrong. yeah yeah it's been it's been 15 years since these uh were, were done um yeah. i believe at least uh the prototypes came out in, in 15 years ago, and I think the Lionels were not too long after that. So it's it's been well over a decade, and um, the prototypes haven't changed too much over those years. But we knew there were a lot of new people in the hobby, uh, probably with them all coming out at once like they did. There were probably people at the time who only got one or two and have seen more of them since or you know would like to complete the set. So they're going for crazy prices yeah. uh, on the secondary market. I uh, felt like it was it was time, and from a few of the dealers I've spoken to, they they're they're happy to see these back too. They said that people are really excited to have them in the catalog again. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, sometimes it's okay to to redo something you've done before, and this is this is a good good example of that. No, I'm I'm really really happy uh, when you guys do stuff like this, especially the heritage stuff. So hopefully, maybe the Santa Fe heritage ones uh, will uh, be in the future at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, hint, hint, uh, but, uh, um, uh, but I have the, uh, you know, I have the, the Chicago Northwestern 1995 still, You're welcome. uh, uh, and yeah, I, I knew <laughs> say that, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, to actually keep going here, I really like these, uh, thank you to all essential workers and the thank you to veterans that you added in there as well. Um, I, I think those are really well, first of all, you know, I'm glad those exist, obviously, but those tend to be good sellers, too, because people people really like those that that paint scheme on both of those. Yeah, the, the fun part about SD70s is as soon as we do a run of SD70s out in the prototype world, like two or three more great new paint schemes for SD70s <laughs> show up uh, right after we put the catalog to, to print. And that's sort of what happened with Montana Rail Link units the last time we did this. And now, of course, in the last uh, couple of weeks, Union Pacific's updating their their image, and Ferromex has some new units out. So uh, I guess it means we just have to do another run of SD70s another uh, year or two. <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah, these are. I will say. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, these are great. You know, I to the guys. I had the original runs of the I had the SP and the uh, Chicago Northwestern. Those since have gone to other homes. You're welcome, guys. Um, I wonder who. I, I wonder. <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, I love these. These are great engines. It's nice to see them again. Uh, I like Matt. I love the Montana Rail Link, the special ones. Those mm-hmm. are just fantastic. I did have a question on these, though. Are these going to have like a gloss paint or are these going to be like a matte finish? I was about to ask the same exact thing. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't think these won't get a high gloss. Um, we'll probably do sort of a, a not a flat finish either, but uh, sort of a mild gloss on these so that they, they have a, a fresh look to them. But you're not going to have that, you know, dripping in gloss paint uh, effect. Sweet. Cool, cool. Yeah, that PRLX one is really cool. At first guess, and you just look first glance, you think, oh, that's just a CSX one, but it's a PRLX and CNO. So that's that's a really cool, unique looking one. Yeah, well, that was the uh, the heritage unit that was never supposed to be that a couple of uh, employees took it upon themselves uh, with one of the prototype units after it got sold to PRLX to make their own uh, own decals for the nose and the sides and it. Ran around for a few weeks like that before, uh, you know, someone caught up with it and said, you know, we got to get that off of there. Uh, but neat, neat story. There's a few pictures of it out there on uh, on the web if you can if you find them. Uh, that's, that's fun. And CSX gave us the blessing to go ahead and do it. So we said, yeah, let's, let's add it into the catalog. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, move on to page uh, 48. Uh, and we have the uh, H1544s. This looks like, is uh, is, is this an X, XMTH? No, this okay. is uh, Lionel. Um, we had the uh, we had the tooling for uh, the H1644. And the primary body difference, there's really not, there, there were a lot of, there were a lot of small differences in these locomotives, almost from uh, build order to build order both the H-15s and H-16s. But the biggest general spotting feature difference was the trucks. Um, the H-15s will have the uh, the AAR-style trucks under them, uh, as opposed to the FM trucks under the H-16s that we'd done previously. And the handrails, um, on the H-16s, some of them had handrails mounted on the side of the body, uh, which is how Lowy styled them. But they quickly started moving those to the outside of the uh, running board's like you see on most units, uh, but all of the H15 production had them on the body. So uh, we've we've moved the handrails in. <coughs> we'll put the correct trucks under them, uh, and we'll do a little bit of work with the horns and things like that to make sure that they're they're as close to the prototype as we can get them. Uh, there are some some very variations in vents and exhaust stacks and things like that that were, uh, if not road specific, sometimes from one locomotive to the next specific and. The tooling is just not quite flexible enough to do that. But doing the H15 gave us some uh, some great new paint schemes that we hadn't been able to do before. And uh, felt like it was a good way to reuse some of the tooling that we hadn't really used much in the past. Cool. I think I, th- uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion which ones I'm getting. So. <laughs> I, guess. I wonder. I was about to say, <laughs> out of that central of Georgia, like, I don't know, is anybody a fan of that? <laughs> no, no, he totally wants the uh, Union Pacific or Rio Grande, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> I always thought Eric was a Monon man. It's been a while since there's been a central of Georgia in the catalog. Usually it's a custom run or something. So it's kind of kind of cool to see it in the catalog. I think it's been a while since I've seen a Monon paint scheme. Yeah, me too. From yeah, Lionel, I think you're I right. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Ryan, if you could verify that. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the last one is that we, uh, exactly. we put in there. Um, <laughs> did we do an SW? No, I don't think we did an SW. I feel like I've done one in the last couple of years, a steam engine or a, a, a diesel, but I've done so many customs for uh, Mr. Muffin's trains that they, <laughs> yeah, they, they transfer to for, right, yeah, for Muffin Man. Mr. He's Muffin got enough of them, yeah. Right. Yeah, Mr. Muffin is definitely. <laughs> I know I keep doing Monon yeah. units. I just uh, I can't remember which ones are going where anymore. <laughs> so, just call them Muffin Monon now. So, <laughs> so I did have a question on the um, more specific. Yeah, more specifically for the paint schemes uh, for the uh, uh, Rock Island. Uh, I was looking up prototype pictures and I saw one of the paint schemes was the that pink style one with the pinstripes. Is there a plan to do that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, Rock Island, I think, had at least three or four different paint schemes on these Wait. things. Uh, and. And quite a few of them were, were, were good looking paint schemes. So uh, I went with this this variation for the first run, but uh, down the road, we'll definitely look at, at some other variations uh, on this locomotive. There are some other roads that had them as well. Uh, you know, I left the, the CNJ off the list this time for some <laughs> reason. And, uh, I had some tough choices to make on this one, but like you were saying, I, I picked a few of the more obscure roads, uh, at least obscure in terms of putting them in the catalog. Uh, not to offend fans of these, these these railroads by any means, but uh, Rock Island was a tough tough call of you know which paint scheme to go with uh, in in this this case. But yeah, definitely, I think you'll see some some more variations of that one down the road. Yeah, I think the route of the rocket is rockets is probably my favorite paint scheme for Rock Island. But yeah, I think you're right; they're all they're all really nice looking. Yeah, the, the the challenge was actually finding enough pictures in the same paint scheme to give the creative team so that they could they could get it right for one particular version. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, page fifty, and uh, probably we're probably at the one of my favorite uh, items in the catalog, and that's the uh, the really really awesome sets that you can get. And I have to, I do have to say this this uh, this set's a mouthful for sure. The uh, the Western Maryland Hagerstown Hotshot set. Did I did I say that right? Hopefully, Hagerstown. All right. Uh, I, I, I'll let everyone chime in here because these are obviously railroads that are uh, you know uh, not for me. But uh, please, everyone chime in. I like the mismatched units. <laughs> Go ahead. So we we all know your favorite railroads, the Western Maryland, Matt. Come on. <laughs> I like these, both of them. They uh, they're really cool. The mismatch of F units, I think, is great. Um, I, I I know we haven't got to it quite yet, but I did have a question on the uh, L one set. I figure I could ask that. Okay. Yeah. Go um, ahead. I was curious. The I can't tell. Is that a pre or post war K uh, K four? Hello, L one. Um, uh, uh, this will be this will be in the pre-war details, uh, and this one will have the doghouse oh, on the tender. So this is the 
the one we're doing that has the pre-war front end with the dog. Oh house. man, I might have to order two. I'd, I'd love that. Uh, the 1369 <laughs> with the uh, radio antenna and this too. Oh man. <laughs> I love it. Great choices. Can I, have, can I have your Apple box car if you get the set then Matt? No, I'm keeping the whole set. You don't get none of it. Aww. I'll let you borrow it. But you can have the box. I'll take the stuff oh, inside. Yeah, of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think I think we should point out that there is an actual trolley um on this flatbed on this set, and that is an actual bump and go trolley, correct? Correct. That's yep. awesome. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. You also have a uh, Freight Sounds boxcar in there as well. So lots of lots of add-ons in that in that set. There's a, there's lots a lot of, of play value. value. <laughs> I like that. That's a, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a bump and go trolley on a on a set before. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I wanted to do something different on the uh, on the flat car for a load, and you know, was, I also wanted to do a train that was really sort of appropriate for a particular area and locale. And um, this is the line that, that ran very near where I grew up. So somewhat familiar with it. And that would be kind of neat to highlight some of the different, uh, it, you know, industries or customers and, and, and places along that line. Uh, it's a good looking train for anywhere. You could run it, you know, obviously the cars interchange and go all over the place. But uh, if you're a fan of uh, South Central Pennsylvania or, you know, that region, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll sort of, you'll pick up on some of the little things in there, uh, but it all works for that, uh, that branch of the Pensy and, uh, and then just found ways with, with the, with the lower cost on the engine, it gave us some options here really to feature up some of the freight cars a little bit and still put in a good value at the set at a reasonable price. All right, let's go ahead and, and cut over into the, um, uh, scale rolling stock here. And obviously we don't spend, you know, a lot of time on these, but, um, I do want to make sure that we, you know, if anyone has any questions or anything that we bring them up and cover them. But, uh, obviously if you make SD 70 ACEs and UP heritage, you, you gotta make the, um, uh, the TOFC flat cars to go along with it. So these are, these are really nice. I'm hundred percent, no doubt getting the Chicago Northwestern one. Yeah, I, I'm really happy with the way these turned out. Um, you know, we've done 60 foot box cars, we've done cabooses, we've done uh, illuminated flag box cars. Uh, I think when the first run came out, we may have done hopper cars and other things for them as well. Uh, we, we had never done this this type of a freight car, and whether you're running a whole heritage consist or you know you're a fan of one one particular uh, of the fallen flags and you know of your own, or you just they they also just sort of work as a, as a good standalone freight car. So I think these these have appeal on multiple levels, no matter what uh, what angle your your love is for the the heritage program. And they look great. All right, all right. Let's move on to page fifty four. Uh, we got some sixty foot box cars here. Um, I think there was a was there a question, Matt? On the 60 foot box cars? Yeah. So one of the guys asked, uh, are you guys going to do more of the uh, patch cars and more uh, like uh, leasing road names? Uh, that'd be really cool to see. Yeah. Um, especially on the modern stuff, uh, these things seem to do well with, with the graffiti and the patch outs and, and whatnot. Uh, it's what you see today. So having some of that stuff out there is uh, is is doing quite well. 
if it, if it sells, we'll keep making it. Cool. I need to have a mocky billboard on the Ford stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, page 56. Uh, we got some uh, Hunter T hoppers here. Yep, these are uh, all diecast uh, hoppers. Um, you know, that plenty of weight. They track beautifully. A lot of detail on these. There's so many road names uh, on these cars too that we can do. Um, so it should be a, a big fan. Uh, if you look in the notes on these, you'll see there are some different detail uh, deco should say deco variations in some of the road name packs. Uh, but between the three two packs, you've got six different numbers available uh, in each of these paint schemes. So um, if you're trying to build a, a mini unit train. Well I didn't see that these were all die cast metal. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're, they're heavy as all get out too. I, I have a few. They're God, they're they weigh a ton. They must weigh yep. two pounds, two, three pounds. They're heavy. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm not sure why we needed to pull those out of die cast <laughs> yeah. metal, but we did. And by golly, uh, we're gonna keep they're making it. I love them. Do you lift coal cars, man? Come on. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm 57 um so i don't believe the current or the last run of the hobo cars have delivered yet but i think they're like right on the cusp of becoming available um guys can correct me if i'm wrong yes. but uh we got some new hobo cars here and, and i'm kind of glad that you guys made a bunch more of these because i think those are going to be really really cool when they when the first batch releases yeah, no question about it. Uh, when the first two came out, I put them in there sort of, oh, well, let's see how, how this goes. And the response was uh, both incredibly positive and very clear that we need more road name options. Uh, so right on the heels of that, put out uh, four more. The features will be very much the same. Just some new deco options for the uh, for different road D names. Dave didn't do a demos with Dave on the Hobo car, did he? I don't think he's done one on these yet or not. We have the sound files done. Okay. Uh, we've, we've done the samples. I can't recall if he, he did that. We, we had so many things coming in at the same time yeah. uh, early this summer, late spring, that uh, more stuff to do than time to, to do the, the, the marketing on it, really, uh, unfortunately. But uh, Dave gets to be an engineer first and, uh, you know, online social media talent second. Yep, uh, absolutely. And so we... Uh, <laughs> But uh, definitely one, if we haven't covered yet, definitely needs to get covered on a demos with Dave here in the not too I can't wait yep. to hear the sounds on these. It's always, the, these sound cars are always just, they're so fun to listen to. I mean, you, you listen you listen to them and you can you can tell you guys had a, had a ball recording them because <laughs> some of the ones are pretty hysterical. <laughs> yeah, we, we get a little bit, of, we're given a little bit of leeway. We, we don't have too long of a leash to run on, but. We do have some fun. Very excited for these ones. I got, uh, I ordered the first round of them. I think I got the, uh, I think I might've gotten the Erie one for the first run, but I see cotton belt and that's the closest I'm getting to SP. So I'm going to jump on that. Um, <laughs> now I think there was, this might just be a, a labeling uh, thing between the first run and the second runs of these. I think the first one said they were pewter uh, figures and these ones are saying plastic. Are they still going to be the same figures as the first run or are they going to be different? 
they'll be the same figures, but they'll, they'll all end up being plastic. Uh, the tooling was supposed to be pewter, but it, it turns out it was actually uh, plastic uh, tooling figures on those. So um, it's the same figure, the same detail, uh, and they're 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 painted up and glued in the car. So really, you won't tell much of a difference anyway once you see it on the model, but. Uh, it'll be the it'll be the same same figure set. Cool, cool, awesome. Yeah, very excited for these cars. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the uh, the door will be open like that on the model, right? You won't be able to close it. I take it. Uh, yeah, the, I think the legs of the figure sit just inside the door. If you wanted to close it, you could. Not sure why yeah. you <laughs> you would. So it kind of defeats the purpose. Uh, the door on the other side obviously could be open or closed. However okay, you got to hide from the railroad bulls. Come yeah, on, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean back back in the days before the police, you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> what I like about these is they work really well if they're running in your train, but they also are nice when they're just sitting on the siding or sitting in the yard. You know, you can you still get the enjoyment of the sounds out of them. Yeah, way. definitely. All right, let's move on to page 58. We got uh, some cabooses here. We got two types here. We got uh, N6Bs and we got uh, Northeast cabooses as well. I'll let I'll, I'll just put it, open it up to the floor where it wants to chime in. I like that. Yeah, Pensy one. Yeah, I love these uh, N6Bs. I'm actually looking right now at a New Haven one from MTH and they're beautiful i forget if the marker lights work on these or not i don't don't remember uh do they these do have working markers yeah i i love these the the top one there that uh simplified pensy script i like that one a lot i have to look into that yeah that one version was was pretty common up until about uh let's see 52 or 54 they switched over to the shadow keystone i can't recall which uh, so for most of your steam era and even early transition diesel era, that's the paint scheme you want. Um, but, uh, you know, to each their own. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to page 60. So uh, just some standard O insulated box cars. And on the other side, we have some standard O unibody tank cars. So, uh, again, you know, I'll open it up to the floor if anybody wants to, uh, you know, note something in particular. I like the uh, the cotton belt is Johnny. Johnny, what do we call this thing? The the not pacemaker. The not pacemaker. The <laughs> fake pacer. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I like that. That's really cool. I got the uh, a buddy of mine gifted me the the Atlas version of that car, and they're really cool. Um, definitely a really nice alternative for the guys who are very much West Coast, but are very envious of those New York Central guys with their their uh, pacemaker box cars <laughs> thinking they're all high and mighty. Well, guess what? We got cotton belt ones now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I have a weird question. Oh, go ahead. That, that one, I just wanted to say that the, the state of Maine, New Haven, that one's really cool too. Hell, they're all cool. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a classic. Yeah, you can't, no, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've noticed a lot of the rolling stock is being made in Vietnam now. Um, so what, what exactly is, what are they making in Vietnam versus, you know, versus China right now? Is it just rolling stock? Uh, right now it's just, uh, it's just rolling stock, uh, some accessories, uh, but primarily rolling stock. Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's a mix of, of types. Our standard O stuff, uh, is there some of our scale, 
rolling stock, some of our passenger cars are, are uh, we're, we're going to start building some of that there as well. Um, the, the folks who run the factory in Vietnam are the same ones who run one of our factories yep. in China. And so they, they, they bounce projects back and forth between the two facilities um, as it, as it makes most sense uh, from a costing okay, perspective. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen that on more and more rolling stock and it, it all seems well-made. So uh, I was just curious about it. A question came up on the discord today about uh, two rail items uh, specifically about engines or if there are plans to make things that are easily convertible to two rail. Not locomotives right now. Um, our rolling stock, since we redesigned the trucks a few years ago, is much easier to convert over uh, to two rail uh, wheel sets. And we do have uh, conversion kits available still for that, for those who'd like to do it. Uh, and of course, we've been putting the, the scale coupler mounting pads on uh, all of our scale product as we, as we retool and upgrade as well. Uh, and that's another thing we'll be doing with the MTH product that we acquire uh, if it doesn't already have it. Um, so that if you want to, you know, whether you're high railing it or two railing it, um, you can switch over to a, a, a KD style coupler, uh, if you, if you so choose without having to do uh, major body surgery. So we don't plan on offering two rail product directly, uh, but places where it doesn't cost us too much to make the process a lot easier for you. Uh, we're, we're definitely taking those steps to make it uh, more feasible. All right, cool. And then uh, we guys going to offer the uh, trucks uh, in the 100 ton variety as well. The trucks in the 100 ton. Um, right now, we only have the uh, 50 and 70 ton variety trucks. Uh, down the road might be something we look to, to tooling up a, a beefier truck. Okay, cool. I'd imagine maybe for the 100 ton hopper, he, he wasn't specific, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the details are similar. We just use the, the same. 70 ton the roller bearing trucks uh underneath both all right folks well let's go ahead and uh, move on to the lion chief offerings in the catalog and of course we have to start this out uh with a bang because uh our old friends the 060ts are back in the catalog with some brand new road names uh very very happy to see these back in the catalog they were great sellers i think um, I did. I, I did a review on them, and and honestly, I thought these were, and I think they still are, probably the big, the biggest, or I should say, the greatest bang for your buck engine out there, like hands down, at least for me. So, yeah, it's of course, a, they, they got they got a little bit of a price bump on them, yeah. But I I, I think at that yeah. price point, I think I think I still think they're they're probably worth it. I'm super excited about these. I've never had one of the uh, the uh, one of these. Dockside switchers and uh, really, uh, really excited to finally get one. I think I'm going to get the Alaska. Yeah, it's a uh, a plus one on these. I'm actually looking at my two pair as as we're recording this right now. And God, those things. Let me tell you, I I, I think it was our last catalog show. As a matter of fact, I bet you I'm like, hey Ryan, now they're running the 060T. So little did I know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love. Now they're so small. Are they scale or are they or are they semi scale? These are scale locomotives. Oh wow! Um, they're just a, a small prototype, and um, yeah, the diecast body. I mean, they they pull they pull real well. You've got the uh, you know all the features you could possibly pack into them. Uh, it's it's a really a great value. The, the cost increase is unfortunate this time around. It's all in the electronics costs. 
Uh, I think you just see it more on this locomotive than you do some of the uh, the larger ones. Uh, when a thousand dollar locomotive goes up by fifty bucks, you know it's one thing. With it, when a two hundred and fifty dollar locomotive or a three hundred dollar locomotive goes up by fifty bucks, it, it looks looks different. But it's it's really the the same uh, the same result. Uh, you know, some of our some of our small components that used to cost you know about five to six dollars a piece. Uh, if we, when we can find them right now, we're paying upwards of, uh, $40 a piece for them. Um, and that's just, you know, one little piece on, on the board. So you throw a few of those in there and it's, uh, it's not hard to long until you're really jacking up the price. So, uh, we've, we've tried to do in this catalog where we've had those things is, uh, raise the price by our price increase, but not, you know, factoring in all the other, other things on, you know, on top of it that, you know, usually you take the total product cost to, uh, to generate your, your, your costing model. But these, we sort of tried to stick where we could to the original costing model and just take it out of the margin, but just pass the, the fixed cost increase on uh, to keep, keep prices as reasonable as we can. Uh, and we're hopeful that in the next couple of years that will balance and return back to normal. But the way it goes, I'm sure it'll be something else, some other new problem to take its place um, and, and, and keep discussing. I, I I think they're still worth worth it uh, for me, e- even with the price price increase. I think these um, still hold the uh, best bang for your buck. In fact, <laughs> I don't know if it's taboo to say this, but I kind of thought for the old price point, I was kind of like, "Wow, these is, is that a misprint?" Like <laughs> these, yeah, there's too. a lot there's a lot packed into these. I'm telling you right now, like these things smoke like crazy. They perform very, very for a little 06 OT. You would think because of that footprint mm-hmm. that they would have trouble like through switches and stuff like that. But I tell you, they're they actually perform quite well. I love these little things. They're so mm-hmm. great. Um, uh, if you want an engine, this is going to just from personal experience. I've also got one of the 06 OTs. They're great little switchers, especially if you have a really cramped yard. Um, but I think the most fun thing to do, and this might not be the most popular opinion, but I think Matt R has experienced this more than anyone uh, running trains with me. If you want an engine to run amok and be a menace and run onto the main line while the people are running, and you can just plop this on there and nobody <laughs> notices until you, you break into the main line and are chasing somebody. They're fun. They're fun little engines. <laughs> I, you'll, I've had times where I've been at Matt's house and running trains. He has in the yard. I take my phone, connect to it because it's Bluetooth, and just slowly make my way out of the yard onto his uh, inner to his inner loop. Stop just where he can't see me. Break onto the main line. I start chasing him. It's the funnest thing ever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're they're definitely really fun little engines. And just a really quick side note: is that Reading version? Is that the one that's at the, the Pennsylvania Railroad Museum, or I think it's something else? Yeah, no, nope, that's the. It's uh, it's not an exact tooling for that, but that's the inspiration for that one for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I remember seeing that when we went out there for York, mm-hmm. and that was a cool little engine. So it's nice to see that in three rail. All right, let's move forward to the uh, oh, the, just the right next to them. We have some uh, on the next page. Uh, we have some NW2s, and uh, you know these again look phenomenal. I mean, the stuff that you guys are putting uh, Line Chief Plus 2.0 in uh, just have been absolutely spectacular. I think people love them and they eat them up. Uh, I'm going to guess that these are scale. Their uh, their proportions are pretty much scale. Uh, this is based off okay. of the classic uh, old tooling. Um, so these have the, uh, these are post-war war style. They have a, a single motor drive, um, just because of the space inside, there's, there's not, not the room for two, but you have all the other 
Lion Chief uh, 2.0 smoke and lighting and sound effects, uh, speed control, the TMCC, the Bluetooth. Uh, and so they really do give you a lot of, again, bang for your buck, uh, a lot of versatility. Uh, the last time we did these was Lion Chief Plus locomotives, and people seem to really like them. So I think with the 2.0 improvements, uh, it's it's really the nice blend of uh, classic Lionel with with modern uh, electronics. Yeah, it was oh, when yeah. the catalog came out, I saw these and I said, I, I've seen these somewhere before. And then, uh, oddly enough, a couple of nights ago, I was running my an old uh, post-war, I think it's the 623. And I was like, that's where I saw it. That's what this is. It's like it's the post-war 623, or at least it's based on it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a very yeah. cool, very cool. When I saw the uh, near central 622, I'm like, yeah, that's that's definitely a 1950s uh, post-war celebration uh, style one. I'm like, God, that's gorgeous. Is there a plan to do a uh, 623 since Eric mentioned it? Uh, we could pop, probably do that. Yeah, we've we've had some more requests for some more more post-war stuff. Um, we've got a uh, got a pretty big anniversary coming up in two years. Uh, it will be 125 years. So. Wow. I, I suspect, you know, not that I have any sort of input on mm-hmm. it or insider information, but I suspect <laughs> Lionel would probably do a lot of really cool retro inspired and, and throwback stuff uh, in 2025. It just, you know, seems like a, a logical yeah. thing they would, would, would want to do. Yeah, it makes uh, Oh, yeah, 125 years. That would be cool. Definitely have to keep an eye <laughs> for it. Of three. well speaking that's a good segue because speaking of uh santa fe um on page 70 we have a santa fe auto rack set uh and this uh consists of a santa fe dash eight diesel locomotive it's lion chief and then uh we have uh, uh three uh, you know, semi-scale uh, auto racks behind them. So these are these are pretty cool. Now this is a Lion Chief engine, right? Not a Lion Chief Plus 2.0 engine. Correct. This is the basic Lion Chief engine, and this will be as a complete set with your your track and power supply and uh, remote. Uh, this is the former MTH tooling. This will be the first time we've done this with the the four axle trucks under it. Uh, so a, a neat set, uh, three auto racks in the set, and then some additional uh, road names if you want to expand. Uh, that's our, our classic uh, traditional enclosed auto rack tooling. Uh, has the opening end doors. Uh, 164th uh, Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars slide in there perfectly. Uh, so a lot of play value in, in this one. I'll open the floor to anybody. Anybody want to chime in on here? Otherwise, we'll move on. I'm just waiting for you to say that you want it, Matt. Oh, come on. You know he wants it. It's Santa Fe. Come on. <laughs> I'll... You know, to Santa Fe, I'll, I'll put it on my on my maybe list. How about that? <laughs> That's the uh, XMTH uh, dash eight, right? Yes, yeah, the Rail King. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, really quick here down on the bottom of the page. I noticed there's a a, a tire store here called Roscoe Flats. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's a, a, a Rascal Flats kind of uh, tongue in cheek. <laughs> uh, Possibly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Hey, he's a, right. he's a Springsteen fan, not a not a country fan. Well, are you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's some country right. too. Yeah, we just got All back right. from Nashville. It was, it was a fun place. Hey, yeah, there you go. 
Music well, is good. Music is good music. You can't uh, you can't pigeonhole well, yourself too much. But uh, that that is true. So maybe maybe well, it's uh, Rascal Flatts inspired. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you're eagerly e- eagerly awaiting a some kind of Springsteen uh, tongue in cheek uh, building. Then Matt, huh? Yes, <laughs> please, absolutely. I'll buy it. <laughs> make it the, make it the craziest thing ever. Make you know what? A record store would be really cool. I'm I'm always open to ideas for sure. A record store with a uh, Bluetooth yes. speaker inside. Yes, please. Exactly. I was going to say the exact oh, same wow, thing. Wow, okay. I have the yeah. I have the uh, radio tower, and I love that thing. Yeah, if you did a record <laughs> store with a speaker in it, oh, dude, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what right. we've talked about for sure. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, let's skip on to page uh, seventy-two really fast. Um, uh, looks like we have some. Uh, milk flat cars here uh on the next page there's a couple of bazooka jewel box cars uh got some chevy chevrolet personalized box cars um again jump in anybody wants to uh uh you know make any notes about anything we see in here otherwise i'll move on i like the bazooka cars that's that's all about all i've got to say they're uh, the, uh chicago railroad fair box car is really cool as a chicago and i really like that Agree that uh, I will 100% be getting the Chicago Railroad Fair boxcar. Like, there was a question mm-hmm. on the yep. uh, the milk flats, and mm-hmm. uh, it was going to be, uh, were you guys going to do additional road names like Christmas or Eggnog or Hershey's or Real Railroads? Yes, there will, there will definitely be some more um, some more liveries on this one coming out. Uh, we we typically try and hold our Christmas product for the. Um, the first of the first catalog of the year. So you'll probably see a few more things popping out in there. Uh, we have not run uh, this car in, in quite a while with the, uh, the, the butter dish uh, milk car. Um, and this will be the first time we're actually putting it on the, the slightly larger uh, flat car it used to come on a very small, frankly, not very impressive uh, flat car. So we, we've made that improvement here on these to give it a little bit more uh, heft and, uh, and, and look to it. Uh, but so I'm, I'm happy to see these back in the line. Um, and I, I, I'm sure you'll see some more things uh, coming for these down the road as well. Cool. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and skip over to just skip on page 76. And I have to tell you this, um, uh, this, this uh, Billups crossing gate uh, definitely came up a lot on our server. Um <laughs> People, people were kind of like, and again, just so people know, this is this is actually a, a prototypical uh, a crossing gate. But a lot of people were like, "Oh, what's this? Is this a Halloween thing?" Or <laughs> that's what I thought. But, uh, it is, that's what I thought. Yeah, I had no idea it was based on something real, and then I saw that little picture and was like, and then I looked it up, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that's that's a real thing." Yeah, it's. You know, it, it's fun uh, as a guy who sort of came into Lionel through the, you know, through the museum world and, and a guy who just likes railroad history. I mean, this honestly, this one only came across my my radar a couple of years back. Um, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, man, we got to make that. <laughs> that's 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 the ultimate uh, O-Gage model train accessory right there. Uh, so we, we started working on on this one in design about a year and a half or so ago. Um, and it's just such a unique piece that, um, you know, is one of a kind, uh, and it's got a lot of, there's a lot of stuff written up about it. Um, and I, I think, uh, 
it'll be it'll be well received. We've we've got the the working sample in the office, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll definitely do another demos with Dave on that. Uh, the the catalog show we did, we we demonstrated it uh, earlier this month. If you go back and uh, endure that uh, on YouTube uh, or Facebook, you'll you'll see it there. Uh, really really neat piece. All sorts of lights going off, the siren, um, all the electronics are integrated into this. Uh, so you just snap it into your layout and go. Uh, I'm sure there will be people who uh, you know have different track systems and get one of these and, and gut it all out and uh, and use it with their uh, Gargraves track or whatever whatever have you. Uh, but uh, if you want a simple setup, it's it's all ready to go for you. You don't have to do any crazy wiring. Uh, it even detects which direction the train's coming from for the uh, the directional arrow portion on the on there. And uh, even though it's not already a Halloween accessory, it definitely has that feel to it. And we will <laughs> yep. probably do a more uh, Halloween specific uh, version of this or, or uh, some other other spins on this down the road, uh, just because it's too uh, it's too cool not to, to have some fun with. Um, but I, I really like it. I think it's a it's a fun accessory. It's definitely something that uh, has not been modeled before. Uh, and like you guys said, you, a lot of people weren't, weren't aware of it, but once you, you know, it's always fun when I hear people say, oh, I didn't, didn't know that existed, whether it was the, the early challengers, like we were talking about earlier or this, and you pick up a Lionel catalog and go, Oh, I, I actually learned something from reading it. That makes me feel good too. And well, it's the great thing about this hobby, you know, you just, you, you can never know everything and it's like, you're always learning something. So always great to see that. For sure. For sure. Yeah, great piece. Very excited about this one. Yeah, it looks really fun. And just to just to kind of clarify, it is it is one sided, correct? Like the the framing, the framing and everything that's it's just on one side of the track. Uh, the, the piece sits only on one side of the track, uh, just like the prototype. They only built the one bridge, but all of the oh, lights okay. are two sided. So no matter which side oh, you're good. looking at it, you do see the, the same effects from both sides. All right. That's that's good to know. Cool. All right. Uh, on the next page, 77, uh, again, a, a really cool roadside diner. And then we uh, actually have some official, uh, an official Amtrak licensed passenger station. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That looks like the old MTH, uh, MTH station. It is. Yep. Uh, updated with, with new graphics, uh, working with Matt at Amtrak on that one. And then the diner is another one of those old accessories that hasn't been around in a while. Uh, we are upgrading that a little bit and adding a, the lighted sign on the top. Uh, before that was always just a, you know, a, a regular static sign, and now that'll be illuminated as well. Very cool. Is that going to have a smoke unit in it or no? Uh, no, I don't think we put a smoke unit in it. It's not. It's it's a greasy spoon, but not that greasy. So they didn't have it. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't even look at the name. <laughs> That's cool. All right, uh, hopping over to page seventy-eight uh, and seventy-nine. Uh, we have a. This is really cool. I really like this uh, caboose kind of creamery. So that actually kind of like actually fits. Does that caboose move or is it fixed to the um, platform? So you could do which, whichever you like. Uh, it's going to be a it's going to be one of our standard scale uh, northeast cabooses. Uh, there'll be little awnings attached to it, but you could you could take those off if you wanted to run it around your your layout. 
Um, but the inspiration here was, you know, since the late 1980s, when cabooses pretty much stopped being a regular part of, of railroading, you know, every small town along the railroad has a caboose somewhere in it as a park display or visitor center or ice cream shop or, you know, tourist bureau or you name it, right? There's, there's all these little, uh, little cabooses everywhere. And so we thought it'd be fun to, to do something like that. So the accessory has, uh, the caboose has all the, you know, and it's illuminated. Uh, you've get this really cool laser cut wood, uh, uh, kit of a, of a deck to build. Uh, it, it goes together real easy. Uh, just a little bit of wood glue and five minutes, you can have this thing, uh, this thing together. Um, and, and, but, and that just butts right up next to it on the track. Um, and then, uh, the, it'll come with a, a 10 inch piece of fast track with a, a PEP plug attached to it. So you could plug that track into, um, into a PEP track or, or hardwire it if you wanted to, uh, and use that to light the caboose if you'd like, or you could connect it in with a siding and have it part of an active rail line uh, and light it that way as well. Uh, but we thought that gave you the option if you wanted to have it sitting on its own little island of track uh, in a park beside the the railroad uh, with some some kids around it getting their ice cream orders and things like that. Uh, perfect little little scene for for any layout that you know people will recognize right away. Um, and we've, we've got a, a U.S. company that's making the, the wood deck. Uh, so those will be made here. And then we'll, we'll pack out those, uh, simple little kits with the caboose and the, the track, uh, and send them on when, when we get them all here. Very cool. The, yeah. You, that's uh, really cool. I like that. Could you put it next to the, to the, uh, hobo boxcar? You could. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> hey, they get hungry. Too, right? cream too. Yeah. 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 I think you'll definitely see some more things along this, this theme down, down the road as well. Uh, cause there's cool. so many ways you could go with it. Um, and you know, if you have multiple cabooses, cause you know, we all have multiple cabooses, uh, you could, you could change these things out too from time to time if you wanted to, to change up the theme on your layout. Yeah, there you go. It's, I mean, it's not like I'm staring at what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven cabooses, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got them right next to me. But, there. Uh, uh, is there a plan to maybe take this like to like like a maybe like a like a transfer thing for like like box cars or something like that? Um, so we we looked at that too um, because the deck is is a really nice piece and. You know, it, it didn't take long to design and uh, and the pricing was reasonable. So uh, if this is popular and we've had a lot of interest, people say, hey, could I can you make that a separate sale piece? Could you do other variations with it? Uh, we may do some some more simple kits uh, like that uh, down the road. The people that we're working with at the company who make that are trained people, too. So even though they don't usually do, do this as their, as their thing, they got kind of uh, geeked up over it also. And we're, we're really happy to work with us. So. I think we'll we'll definitely do some more things down this this path. Cool. I like the road sign pack, and I'm I'm really interested. I'd be interested to hear the sound effects on the uh, she shed. <laughs> we haven't recorded those yet. I have no idea what happens in a she shed, but um, you know we'll, we'll figure that out and get some <laughs> let the ladies record their sounds for that one. Right. <laughs> and I like the uh, the grandpa's workshop. That one's really cool too. Oh yeah, yeah. Just some more fun things we can do to add a little bit of sound to your layout and, and make things come alive. Well, 
talking about making things come alive uh, on the next page, page 80. I, this is this is really cool. These midway games, because, uh, you know, what I see becoming or not becoming, but has that has become popular is people like to put like fairs and carnivals on their layout. But you don't ever see like these midway games. Mm-hmm. And do these all like like light up in the back too? like how much of this is like lighted or. These these aren't lighted. Uh, these are pretty okay. pretty basic, you know. But if you wanted to add a, a light in there, like the peel and stick lights that we produced uh, a year or two ago, or just some simple small LEDs, I mean, it would be absolutely nothing to, to pop some lighting in these without uh, without anything to you know anything to it. Uh, but you do get the three figures uh, with each. So you get nine figure painted figures in here. The three different uh, different games. Uh, for a while, we were going to do these individually. I said, no, no one's going to want to buy just one of them. You need you need a, a Midway's got to have multiples of these. So uh, we saved some money on the packaging. We're able to bring the, the cost down a little bit by offering them in a bundle and thought that was really the way to go. No, I, I think those will definitely be popular. People like to throw those in their little carnivals for sure. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance to see like a redo of like the the uh, back like the mid 2000s you guys did the like the ferris wheel and the the carousel and all that is there a plan to do any of those again we do not have uh a lot of the tooling uh for those any oh, longer no. um ah. we have partial tooling for some uh but not enough to to really uh put the product back together again so i don't think you'll see any of those uh from us anytime soon unfortunately oh. Well, that blows, but hey, <laughs> I agree. I, 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 got, I got an answer. So <laughs> thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and skip to page eighty-two, which is our power and control. And I actually have a couple of questions that came in for us on on control. Sure. Um, so the first one was: uh, were, Will there be a way to control other manufacturers' engines with with the new cab base that's coming out? Uh, if you're, if you're speaking in terms of controlling, um, DCS, uh, specifically, no, uh, and it all comes back to the, um, the way that they, they've, they've kept the protocol for that, uh, proprietary, uh, and, and have not open sourced that, uh, to make DCS, uh, available for other parties, uh, like us to, to use, um, same with, uh, with DCC. We don't have any, any plans for DCC control, uh, with the new, uh, base. Now, anyone who's using a TMCC platform, um, so, uh, if, if anything that can, that can be controlled via TMCC, so Atlas, third rail, uh, Atlas, third rail locomotives, cause the MTH engines, you can run TMCC on MTH. You can't run MTH on TMCC. Um, those, those would not be able to be, be brought forward, but uh, any, of the, any of the Lionel products and conventional products, you can. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, the second question here is, will there eventually be a remote for the base three? We're going to be sticking with the Cab 1L as the remote going forward. Uh, there's no plans at this point to do a, an all new Cab 3 design. Now, that is a very short term short sighted you know statement that i can make because while we don't have any plans to develop a new cab right now at some point that cab 1l is going to reach 
end of life or there will be an opportunity to do something new again. So uh, I, you can never say never when it comes to, to new development in this because it's always got to be some level of new development. Uh, but there are no immediate plans to develop a uh, a Cab 2 style Cab 3, uh, which I think is what most people sort of uh, uh, get at. And where we see things going uh, in the long term, the uh, the more digital uh, mobile platform of smart devices actually gives us a lot more freedom and options for things that uh, we'd like to explore that might not be possible with uh, the more traditional handheld remote. Uh, and actually, we have one last question, at least from uh, the notes that I see. And it's actually a personal question for you. And uh, Ryan, uh, what's your favorite item in the catalog? And this is kind of like a, a an A and A or B question. Um, either one that you've worked on creating, or one that you're most likely to like actually get for yourself. <laughs> uh, that's a hard one, um, and, and not hard one because there's there's nothing. It's a hard one because this one there's so many that are have a connection in there to me some way or somehow uh and none of them absolutely stand out as like oh that's that's the one um but i really you know the, the cumberland valley set hits close to home uh just from the locale of the set portrays the the 520 and my my time at the the railroad museum um the billups crossing is, was just such a fun one to do and such a fun experience, you know, to, to learn about it. And I really enjoyed every step of the, the process there, watching that one come to life in, in relatively short order, but watching it, that project develop. Uh, so I really love that. Um, yeah, there's, there, those would probably be two that, that sort of jump into my mind the fastest, just from a personal connection to them. But at the same time, there's some, there's just some other great locomotives and paint schemes in here that uh, that I, I really love too. So the, Dave and I are both struggling a lot with employee orders on this one. I put way too many tunnel motors in for Dave's budget, and uh, <laughs> I, I just put too many good things in here for mine too. That uh, I always love the brass hybrids just because I love the the high level of detail on them. Uh, so that's a that's a tough choice. Um, 89, always my favorite engine at Strasburg. So I really love that one too. You know, uh, yeah, this is a hard catalog to to pick one favorite one for me, um, which I guess is a good thing. Um, good problem to have. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, overall, I think it's a, a, a very nice C2 catalog uh, and a great way to start thinking about uh, 2023 production. Uh, and some more great, uh, great surprises that'll be right around the corner. Awesome. Fantastic. And I'll go ahead and open it up to the floor. If anybody else has any more questions for Ryan before we close, close up shop here. I think I'm good. Yeah, I can't uh, really think of any direct questions, but I got to say, this was a lot of fun uh, doing this with you, Ryan. Always a pleasure. And I'm yeah. sorry I couldn't be here for the first little part of it, but uh, uh this is a really great catalog and a lot of great pieces. Like I said, the, the L1 is definitely the highlight for me. Uh, just, but like I said, great catalog all around. Great job. I agree. I'm going 
Yep. I want to actually ask one question here. And maybe this is just because I'm a little bit out of touch with the development for the, the cab three since, uh, since this was something that some folks were asking for the, the app control, are we going to see incremental throttle control or is it just going to remain the slider? I'm not quite sure what you're, what you're getting to there in terms of incremental throttle control. So I, I, I think, uh, Eric, I do think you described it best. Do you want to take a crack at it? Yeah. You know, like on the, uh, not that I'm not to compare, but, but on the, uh, on the MTH DCS app, they've got, you can do the throttle control mm-hmm. where you have a slider to make it go faster or slower, mm-hmm. but then they also have little arrows so you can increment in little miles per hour. Uh, okay. Yep. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, yes. Uh, right now we do have that. Uh, the last renditions I've seen of the app, uh, still have those, those style, uh, buttons there as well. Um, basically the way the app is set up, it's, it sort of has two, two sides to it. Uh, and you swipe left or swipe right, uh, to go from either a, a more basic, uh, app that's very similar to the Lion Chief app we have now. Uh, or you swipe the other other side, and you've got the uh, an app that looks again not not to make direct comparisons, but in broad sweeping terms, something a little bit more like our our iCab app um, had in the past. Where uh, if you could do it on the legacy cab too, you'll be able to do it on the app. Um, and a lot of it's about manipulating the screen so that uh, the features that you want most often are most conveniently located for you. Uh, on there we've we've tried to keep some things relatively similar to the way they've been in the past just for familiarity but then mm-hmm. on the other hand there are some there are some options when you go to a new a new platform and a new device to um, where you can make things a little bit more user-friendly and and uh, ergonomic why not so uh, there's still a lot going on on the app side uh, and Dave will be doing a lot more demos of that uh, as as we get through the rest of this year uh, but definitely you won't be, it's not just the, uh, it's not just the slider uh, on the side. Okay, yeah. If you want to get more, more precise, you, you certainly can. Yeah. I think That's a lot good. of people were wondering that because, you know, I mean, it's fun to just put your engine at a speed of one and a lot, watch it creep down the rails. And it's a little mm-hmm. hard to do that with the slider sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the scariest part for a lot of folks, myself included, um, when using app controls for whatever manufacturer, nothing scarier than when your finger slips right. with the slider <laughs> and your engine goes. Zoop. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, definitely something I've heard from a lot of folks is a make or break thing, but to hear that you guys are including it is a, is a very, very welcome uh, response and something that'll make me more open to the cab three as well. Good. Yeah, I had a question on the cab three is, uh, I don't see it on here and I know it was not included on the uh, iCab app. Is there going to be the record button to do the recordings? Oh yes. Yes. Um, actually that's one of the features that, that should see more expansion uh, as we do further development on this is the uh, greater capacity for longer recordings and, uh, and, and that type of thing. Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, I think unless anybody else has anything to say, I'm going to also pull a Matt Z and, and also say my thanking. Uh, thank you to both of you guys for being on Eric and Ryan. We really appreciate you guys taking your time out of your busy schedules to hop on here, talk trains and uh, Ryan to hear endless questions about rivets and if things are right or this is right. So thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Yeah, my, my pleasure to come on here and do this. It's always fun to talk trains. Um, I hope hope we answered a lot of the questions that were out there. 
I, I like that we had a chance to sort of let those questions come in and and do a, a follow up interview, uh, which was which was nice. I think that that hopefully benefited everybody a lot, uh, and it also meant we got through it in under four hours this time. So. This was the smaller catalog too, yeah. so keep that in mind. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I, I actually kind of like this format a bit better because um, those questions always come in, right? Like, I think it's almost better to let uh, let the uh, let the stew cook for a bit and, uh, and then uh, field people's questions because there's always questions that come up, especially with you know, some of the more um, prominent engines out there that people are very hardcore about. And and sometimes if they see something in the catalog that doesn't look right, they're obviously questioning it. And that that could directly affect pre-orders as well. Sure. Right. So I think it's good that, we, you know, we we can feel these questions and then you can come on and, and, and answer those specific questions. Now, I know you answer them with emails and stuff, too. But, you know, for at least our audience and those that listen to the Matt Matt podcast, it could definitely help. Um, answer their direct question and then in turn uh let them make a more uh defined decision on you know how they're gonna uh do their pre-orders and plus considering i posted the question thing at 135 this afternoon and we got what basically <laughs> uh, about yeah uh, about page and a quarter of questions that's that's pretty good Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I think I think if we let that thing, I, th- I think if we kept it up there for two days, there might have been too many questions. But it would have been like we'd our, have to uh, cherry pick. We'd have to cherry pick some of them, it, some of them out of it, there. Probably it would have been a four hour podcast. Yeah, it it would have yeah. been like a uh, community one. And, and instead of the catalog, it would just be, "Hey Ryan, what's this? You know, can you help us <laughs> with this?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, for, for me, like, uh, again, uh, thank you, uh, Ryan, so much for coming on and you, Eric, as well. Uh, at this point, I don't think we could have a catalog episode without you two coming on here, <laughs> That's um, nice honestly, hear. because this is fun. Go ahead. That's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hearing hearing your insight, Eric, uh, and obviously, Ryan, your expertise and the person that obviously is you know in charge of pretty much getting these products in the catalog um is just uh you know again just uh, awesome that you guys come on here and talk to trains with us and um you know again we want to make this kind of a you know hopefully a permanent thing moving forward so we, we love having you guys on and hopefully uh you'll be on for the um the uh t- what 2023 volume one right yep <laughs> about six months out yep Yep, six months out. Oh, <laughs> oh shoot, it's August now. We're we're, we're inside I six know, months. Right? Wow. Can you tell us what's going to be in the 2023 yeah. channel. Yeah, what's in there? Yeah, <laughs> if I told you that now, there wouldn't be a reason to do a podcast in five months. I can't. I can't. Uh, uh, all that uh, I guess you've got a point. <laughs> we'll we'll let we'll let it be. We'll we'll just, we'll just have our our, our uh, suspicions going somewhere. <laughs> we'll, we'll make our own uh uh guesses as to what, what there could be in the catalog. sounds good. <laughs> good all right well let's go ahead and wrap this up uh again uh ryan and eric you were guests on the show so we want to make sure you guys can plug um you know all of your channels and social media so uh ryan um you know obviously you're lionel but uh where can people find you uh on social media you can find us uh pretty much every social media platform uh out there uh facebook um twitter 
uh, YouTube. We have a TikTok account now. Um, go on there and, and watch uh, a little bit of, of, of fun there. We have some fun on that, that account from time to time. Uh, and of course, uh, just go to lionel.com for, for everything, including to see the whole uh, digital catalog, this one and all the, you know, the recent past ones. Um, if you have any questions, highly encourage everybody to either give us a call at 1-800-4-LIONEL or send us an email at talktous@lionel.com. Uh, those all go to the, uh, the central call center and the team there um, diverts them as needed. Uh, there are, are folks who reach out to me directly and that's perfectly fine. I'm always happy to answer uh customer emails. Uh, but I do like to recommend you use the, uh, the central hub because I still see those questions come in and it gives me a better sense of, of repeat questions and also allows them then to have an answer, uh, each time too, so that the answers get back out more frequently and we, we sort of centralize that hub. So, uh, please use that service. Um, and, um, uh, and it's, it's it's what we we have there for you. The, the, the staff is is great at at, uh, at trying to answer those questions. Uh, catalog time is always a, a busy one, busy one for them. But uh, we also get uh, handwritten letters from time to time. You can uh, you can mail things into us as well. Uh, it's always fun to get uh, old fashioned fan mail. If you can't uh, if you can't write, you can always draw a picture. Wouldn't be the first time I've gotten. Uh, pencil sketches of something you'd like to see in the next catalog. So uh, feel free <laughs> any way you can to, to get us a message. Uh, we love hearing from everybody. Um, I, I can't really emphasize that enough coming on here with, with you guys tonight, uh, seeing people at the shows now that we can get out in, in, in public more, uh, even getting the emails, uh, whether it's a question, whether it's a concern or a compliment, uh, you know, we all love trains. I love trains. This is a great job, but we do it to make people happy. And if I'm, if, if I'm making your lives more happy and you're enjoying what we're doing uh, and giving you a hobby and giving you a pastime, the same one that I enjoy, uh, that's, that's the best reward ever is seeing people happy and, and knowing that you had a hand in making that, uh, that product that, that made that happen. So uh, please, anytime, feel free to reach out with questions and, uh, and requests um, I can't always give you an answer, but I'll, I'll always tell you the, the, the truth. And even if the truth is, I, I can't tell you right now, but uh, always, always happy to hear from people. You're never, you're never a bother. Fantastic. Uh, and Eric, uh, where can people find you on social media? Oh, the usual places. Uh, you can go to ericstrains.com. That'll link to everywhere, but I'm on YouTube. Uh, Eric's Trains is the channel name. On Twitter, on Facebook, on TikTok, and uh, pretty much everywhere. And uh, there's also a store if you want to buy Eric's Trains t-shirts or something like that. Uh, you can get to the store by going to my website, ericstrains.com. Excellent. Uh, Johnny, how about yourself, sir? You can find me at Audubus on YouTube. That's A-U-D-A-M-U-S, where you'll find me screaming at inanimate objects, getting hit in the face with boxes, and occasionally I'll be your favorite yearly YouTuber. Um, York video is going to be coming up soon with the upcoming York video, York uh, show coming up. And guys, train vlogs are back. I actually recorded one recently with my buddy Roman coming to Chicago. Uh, so if you want to see myself and Matt R making a fool of ourselves around the Chicago area and running trains, definitely check that out. And then you can also find me on Facebook 
Facebook and Instagram at Autumnus underscore trains. I just got a new camera, so you'll actually see me posting for once. And last but not least, you can find me on the Matt and Matt Discord server. I'm usually in the chat making jokes at Matt's expense. Guess which one? And um, you'll also find me in the voice chat uh, and you can talk train. So come on down. It's a fun time. Let's talk. Uh, Matt Z, how about yourself? God, it, it's not scripted anymore. It changes. <laughs> uh, which one? I don't know. Maybe both. All right. You can find me on YouTube under Matt-TrainLover9943. Uh, Facebook under the same name. Instagram is Matt's.Hobbies. And uh, also on the uh, Discord as well. You know, having fun there and talking or whatever. But uh, always a good time. So check out there. And you can find me on YouTube at West Chicago Model Railroad. I'm on Facebook under the same name. And you can find me on Instagram under WCMRR. And of course, uh, a big thanks uh, goes to, of course, our listeners of the MM podcast. Um, we do this podcast because you inspire us to keep making episodes. And we will keep making episodes uh, as long as we have um, people listening to us. Uh, and sometimes we ramble on, but we we appreciate everyone's ears and, and again, and all the support and all the reviews and feedback. Again, uh, folks, if you have a chance to leave feedback for us, especially like on um, Apple Podcasts or any of the other social apps that leave that you can leave a review on, even on Facebook, uh, just, you know, if you can just even leave us a small little blurb like thanks for the episode. You can always join the Discord server as well and talk to us there. So uh, I just want to wish uh, everybody a wonderful night. Take good care, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thanks, Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Eric.